Hi, I'm Benjamin Light. And I'm Marcus Marks. And welcome to Bros Watch PLL2. This week, S6E11, we're back for 6B. At long last. Of late, I think of Rosewood. We think of Rosewood. Back to the future. This is, I mean, it's weird. It's not only a long break for the show. We've, we're podcasting for like two years straight or something to get there. Um, and then we actually had a little break. That was fun. So this was like a, like a five month hiatus. I mean, ish. Yeah. August felt like five years. Um, damn. God, it feels so good to have the show back. I loved it. Oh yeah. I mean, uh, I, I, I respect people who, for various reasons, were frustrated with the show or what have you, but, you know, I was excited, especially that last week, I was fucking excited. And watching the episode, it was just ticking all the boxes for me. All yeah. of them. All of them! All of them. Man, I gotta work on my Toby. All of them. Do you think people will get mad if I replace my Toby with a bad Kylo Ren impression? I think oh, they'll probably be disappointed. I think I made a promise to... Let me see if I can do this. <clears throat> If this is a, if this is a bomb, then it's right at the start of the episode. We'll edit this out. I will show you the dark side. Yeah. <laughs> Look how old you become. All right. Anyway, this episode written by and murderers you call friends. <laughs> written by Joseph Doherty, directed by Ron Lagomarsino. Uh, the title, of course, has been said many times. Coming from an episode of Twilight Zone. Um. Uh, of late, I think of Clifford doesn't have a lot. To of late, do I think of Cliffordville. Cliffordsville doesn't have a lot to appeal as actual story, other than I think you know, in another time and place, I could totally see this show casting Julie Newmar as a sexy Faustian manipulator. It it makes sense to me. Well, I think the one theme from that episode, the Twilight Zone, that she can relate is this idea of trying to return to your hometown and repeat your successes and finding that things are different. Mm-hmm. And that the things you did before aren't working. You know, I think if there's anything that's going to translate, um, you know, not not Fosse and deals with the devil so much, but maybe that. <laughs> maybe that. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> some people have real problems, Emily. Mm-hmm. He suffered uh, the most. He sure did. Um, on a different podcast, so it's like a radio show in LA that's also the podcast, Joseph Doherty actually interviewed Rod Serling's daughter, for anyone interested. It's, it's a very interesting interview about just... Rod Serling in that that process. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, shall we? Let's jump right in. It's five years later. I mean, there's like the previous leads, and then we just get the title card five years later. Mm-hmm. And we get a kind of a slow push in on Rosewood High. As we hear bell ringing. And there's kind of some slow crossfades as we're kind of moving dreamily through the halls, much like a ghost. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the halls are slightly different. I think maybe the doors are painted a different color. So it's it's the same, but not quite the same. Yeah, uh, and we hear some classic liar dialogue, kind of uh, reminding us the, the the haunted nature of these hallways. And Arya says, "Don't look at me. I'm ready to hang a sign. Bitch can see." Spencer says, "This is about betrayal, which uh, you know, for some people who are afraid of a certain kind of storyline, <laughs> you remember that they use that Spencer line." Yeah. <laughs> and Mona says, "It's not about betrayal, Spencer. It's about revenge." Hannah says, he knows we're lying, and then, like, editing in a completely separate line. So stop pining for the fjords and carpe hottie. (laughs) 
I always preferred Carpe Noctum. Um, yeah. And Ari is like, I know it's over. I know that. Which, if you Classic. remember your, your liar lore, that's right before Ezra told her that this brand new haircut was for her. Mm-hmm. And he says, and yes, I know the dead girl who isn't dead anymore. <laughs> and we finally move into a classroom where some students are listening to grown-up teacher alley. She's reading them Sonnet 30, mm-hmm. uh, which I will now butcher. From the bard, yeah. Yeah. Wind. Do you do you want to do it in, like, Holden voice, you know? I, that's impossible. I haven't, <laughs> I haven't heard Holden in so long. Like, can't even remember what the voice sounds like. Uh, anyway, when to the sessions of sweet silent thought, I summon up remembrance of things past. I sigh the lack of many a thing I sought. And with old woes, new whale, my dear time's waste. What do the kids think right now? <laughs> I don't know. Then can I drown an eye unused to flow, for precious friends hid in death's dateless night, and weep afresh love's long since cancelled woe, and moan the expense of many a vanished sight. She's just spacing out, like thinking about Emerson, basically. Yeah. I think she forgets she's teaching. Yeah. Um... I would love if Allison's blackboard behind her, you know, because like Ezra's would always have like those bizarre quotes from like Dickens or whatever. <laughs> vaguely threatening. Yeah. yeah <laughs> vaguely ominous quotes or <laughs> sexual or predator quotes. If she just had like hashtags <laughs> sprinkled throughout there. Freeform. But is this any, is her passion this any weirder than like that time Ezra totally attacked the kid who happened to sit <laughs> behind Arya? <laughs> Oh, that was great. Oh, you have an opinion? Let me shit on it in front of the entire class. <laughs> Arya's just like, yeah, it's working. Uh, yeah, these kids are all sitting there like with their notebooks open, like they're about to take notes on this. <laughs> and then the bell rings. Like, what was the preamble to this? She's like, I'd like to read you my favorite sonnet. <laughs> it reminds me of a mermaid. Yeah, so uh, the spell was broken, and Allison's like, uh, sorry, uh, I got a little lost. Uh, tomorrow you get to read to me. So everyone's like packing up their shit to go, classroom's entering. Um, and there's so many there's so many great things I like about Sasha Pietersa, but here's one of them. I bet at least half the extras in this scene who are playing high school students <laughs> are older than her playing their 20-something-year-old teacher. Yeah, yeah. It should be mentioned, she's got like the navy blazer on, uh, rose pattern skirt, which I think I, I saw somebody sent us something where they're just kind of pointing out that uh, somebody's always wearing roses hmm. in Rosewood. So this time it's Allie. Hmm. And there's this one kid lingering. She's like signing the permissions for him. He takes off and we're kind of following in somebody else walking up, you know, to, to her. We don't a horror movie shot. A little. I mean, it's not totally ominous. Yeah, right, but it's a little bit, yeah. Um, yeah, so then she senses something, she turns, it's Dr., I believe, Owen Rollins, and she's like, Dr. Rollins, do we have an appointment? And he's Big like, smile there, she's she's happy yeah. to see him. Yeah. All right, I thought I let you know in person. guy's got kind of wow. a weird voice, I can't that, do it. Um, why don't you just do Kyler Renfrew? <laughs> <laughs> I thought I'd let you know in person. Uh, this guy's already compromised, right? He's making house calls to his patient's sister. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 All, all sorts of conflicts of interest here. Also, in each scene that he's in, his hair gets progressively bigger. Hmm. Spoiler. Or theory. Hmm. Hmm. Um, so he's like, I thought I'd let you know in person. And she's like, did you set a date for the hearing? And he kind of smiles and says yes. And she hugs him. And she's like, oh, thank you. That's a big like, hug. Yeah, don't thank me yet. It's happening in four days. And she's like, four days? And he's like, it was four days. 
or six months. So she's immediately getting to work, whipping around the desk, getting out the notebook, starts writing. And he's just like, Allison. And she's like, I want to enclose something in the court notifications. And he's like, I can take care of that. And she says, Thanks. So is this guy her lawyer? Like, yeah, I, I'm your doctor, but I'll take care of these legal uh, things you need well, me to file. He's a doctor, I think, in the same way that Ren, <laughs> air quotes, was a doctor. I, how dare you? <laughs> this guy has no accent. So I, 100% more creepy. <laughs> you mean he's not a uh, secret dealer rentist who somehow developed an accent in mm-hmm. a backstory <laughs> and a hatred for a girl you never met? <laughs> yeah. Also, how old do you think this guy is? He's a doctor. Yeah. Good question. I mean, he's um, like a psychologist, I assume, or something. I don't know. Like late twenties, <laughs> I would think. Uh, yeah, that early twenties, early thirties. I don't know. It's hard to tell anyone else's age when they're in the same scene as Alex. I know. I know. Seriously. Because uh, I mean, see, this is like an actress who could play effectively a sixty-year-old woman without makeup. <laughs> She's that fucking good. <laughs> I feel like that vaguely sounds like an insult. There. I don't mean it as an insult. I hope it doesn't come off that way. Um, uh, but she thanks him. She's writing in a notebook, and he's watching her. He's a bit hesitant. He says, Allison, I have to remind you, the court can compel your friends to come. They may not be sympathetic to the cause. And she looks up, just blinkered, like completely delusional. She's like, you don't know them like I do. Uh, sure. Well, is is there's that reading. Like, she's that hopeful about their bond of friendship that she never really was in touch with them like they were. Or I wonder if Allison's secretly saying, you don't know me the way I do. I think that's what we're all holding on to. Yeah. Is that yeah. that Allison still exists somewhere in there. Yeah. So we begin just a powerhouse of a montage here. Um, yeah. Some, some music comes in that I didn't bother to note. Uh, and we get Allie's voiceover of her letter as we... Uh, fade to spencer reading the letter she's in dc they went on location and shot it there uh we know from social media this is the final shot of season six because they went back and fixed the green screen exterior <laughs> of dc um well it's night now and that that helps you with compositing a lot i'm sure yeah or at least evening yeah it's she's as, in front it's of the as Capitol. surreal as actual dc people when you work in dc you're always just like sitting on a bench in front of the Capitol. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Allie says, there isn't much time, but I wanted to see these words on paper and not a screen. Not very Arya of her. <laughs> Spencer has bangs now in a trench coat. Mm-hmm. She's like 23 or something. And somehow not a like, hard detective. That we know of. <laughs> Allie says, I wanted to know you were touching something I touched, that we were connected. I think this was actually Emily's letter. Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, then we get to the Shusher. Uh, we talked about this one, the, the one episode that we did, the little mini episode, but mm-hmm. she's at a TV show set up like stop. a media office. Huh? Sorry, that's what it says on the video camera. It says stop. It's oh, like... yeah. Uh, she's a media author thing. She's wearing a t shirt that in French says absolutely. Uh, it looks for a moment like Arya is there to promote a book that she wrote called A Majority of None, but she's not. Uh, she's the stand-in. The cameraman says, all set. The answer is apparently yes. And then we hear a Mr. Dunbar will be available to sign books in the second. Maybe it's Ivy Dunbar's son. That's what I'm wondering. Um, well, think about when they were shooting this. They had Lucy Hale had a stand-in for her prepping this scene for mm-hmm. her to play a stand-in of mm-hmm. somebody else. Oh, layers. Mm-hmm. Layers. Um, I wish that the guy who's playing Ivy Dunbar's son was... Lucy Hale's stand-in. It's like an yeah. Ouroboros. 
of uh, on-set life. Um, yeah, so the guy comes in. We we see this is a, a Boston Heights bookstore. She goes over to the shelf list. <laughs> She's in books. Boston. Get it? Yeah, books you might have missed. Uh, and, of course, she picks up, you know, obviously, okay, we made many jokes. We'll make many, many more. It's called Ostinato by the hot young writer Ezra Fitz. In my notes, I accidentally wrote Obstinato. <laughs> I think the the photo on the back is like this glamour shot of him that looks like a season one photo of Ezra, doesn't that's it? Such, that's such an Ezra move. He's just like, I, I really like this one. This was back when I still had style. Yeah, lots of vests, yeah. lots of vests. Uh, a former English professor and resident of southeastern Pennsylvania receives his master's in English from Hollis College. In addition to residency at Yaddo, you can't see that part because there's thumbs on it. Is a winner of the Hampton Table Prize and something grant. Uh, when he isn't managing his cafe, quote, The Brew, where he concocts his own juice blend, juice he volunteers blend. with Habitat for Humanity. This is his first and last novel. <laughs> Can we just say, in your fucking face, Norman Mailer, you don't have a, your own juice blend. <laughs> I feel like that's just the 100% a little Easter egg joke there. I, I absolutely, yeah, yeah, I think it's like an on-set dressing thing, mm-hmm. but I absolutely just want there to be a, like a subplot where Ezra's like in a hazing, like uh, uh, beef with like Franzen. Franzen doesn't beef down. <laughs> that's not true, he would. He, he totally would. Yeah. Franzen would get a Twitter account just to shit talk Ezra. <laughs> yeah. So uh, then she she sets the book down because it's on the discount rack there. And she's got this little folder. And inside is the letter from Allie that she got. And we hear more of the letter. Allie saying, we've been through things no other friends have experienced. We understand each other better than anyone else in the world. And Ari just kind of like frowns at her like, eh, you know, like thinking that's, to herself. That's not true. A lot of my friends have faked their own death. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, well, then we kind of pull out of a window into the first class on an airplane. There's Hannah. She's on Oceanic Flight 815. In the seat next to Hannah is a baby doing baby shit, playing with bracelets and what have you. <laughs> Hannah smiles. Yeah. <laughs> this is the place we all made together. Hannah smiles and like tickles her stomach while holding her G&T like a pro. Do you think this is a like a some sort of foreshadowing of like what broke her and Caleb up? I see a lot of that. I know the the Bustle Girls were talking about that. That would be a really good bit of foreshadowing. Um, whether for whether it's an issue of what broke her and Caleb up, or if like we're going to see Hannah pregnant before the end of the show, I also think it works just a general like you know things are gonna get out to tease your audience it would be weird if like their backstory is just like a ben folds five song i guess um, <laughs> but so yeah it's a fake out because a mom comes over and picks up the baby like the actual mother and she's like oh thanks for watching her and hannah says we had a nice long talk and it's like chin chin bottoms yeah. up um yeah so the mother leaves the baby in this now vacated CBC like stack of like fashion magazines and underneath it an envelope addressed to Hannah, Hannah from uh, the Pennsylvania State Court of Common Pleas. And we hear Allison's voiceover continue. But all of that connects us to someone else, uh, someone I love, someone who needs me. And Hannah kind of rolls her eyes and then takes a sip of that G&T, which, come on, guys, that's a gift right there, right? I mean, it's it's not a 100 percent eye roll, but there's there's a little bit there. Yeah, it's just kind of like it's I'm having to deal with this type of uh there was a expression. like an Allison Hannigan thing at the end of How I Met Your Mother, and I really wish that all of Six B featured Hannah constantly holding a G and T. I want that <laughs> to be like her drink. That's my drink. There you go. I'm actually not drinking a G and T right now, though. Sorry. 
You could be. Uh, so yeah. great segue. There's Emily at some tiki bar pouring a drink, wearing her "If You Like Pina Coladas" t-shirt. LOL. Oh, briefly, I just want to mention um, Hannah's address is 903 West 50th Street in New York. Uh, New York people, is that like super swanky? I'm just curious. I am curious because I got a lot of very interesting Boston details <laughs> from from people on the Soch. Apparently, Braintree is not a place that Arya would ever go to. Which I, I, I have collected notes at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, we hear some seagulls in the background. Behind her, we see the word surf. So, you know, draw whatever conclusions you want from Emily's lot in life. Uh, she gets paid for whatever drink she's just made. She shoves the money directly into her purse under the bar. I find it interesting, number one, that this this like middle-aged woman just ordered a Glen Collins scotch. Right. Uh, but, yeah, she just like shoves more cash. That's a big ass tip too. That's like, or wait, maybe no. She takes, yeah. That's like seven or eight dollar tip. She does. Mm-hmm. Is she stealing it? Like, I think she's. Oh no, that is it. Is that a tip? I think it's the whole the whole thing. Because she kind of does. Oh no, Emily Emily slides her some cash back, so maybe that's a change. Okay. Yeah. I just that's a big want, tip though. I just want Patrick Swayze to walk in as the cooler and like fire Emily for skimming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just you don't I, do that in this roadhouse, Emily. I, you know, I see a lot of people who are like, oh, poor Emily. Like, she's not, she doesn't have a real job like the liars. I still think she's making more than any of the rest of the liars. She's presumably living in like either San Diego or like Hermosa Beach. She's making 500 a night easy. That's my guess. Mm. Four hours away. I won't believe it until all of them go out drinking yet again. And if they go drinking in every episode of 6B, I'd love that too. And like Spencer lays a couple C notes on the, the bill to pay for it. And Emily just mm-hmm. pulls like a gold brick out of her purse and slams <laughs> that on the counter. Um, so yeah, then she pulls the court envelope out of her purse and looks at it. And Allison's voiceover continues. I know you're coming back to Rosewood to speak to the court about Charlotte being released. I'm asking for five minutes of you, five minutes to explain five minutes. that can change the whole world. Mm-hmm. And, and then we cut to Charlotte's like uh, room in the hospital at night. Charlotte's extending a nice window. room. It who, is a nice room. Who pays for this? The state? Like, I, I don't know how prison works or, or, you know, this isn't in prison, but I don't know how all that works. Like, is, is Alice, is the dealer and his family putting out some money for this? I don't know. Well, and what's, what, what was their fortune? Like, what do you, how much, what do you have to be worth yeah, to like be neighbors? Property management or something. I don't know. But I mean, like, the Hastings have this, like, you know, it, there's, like, fences and walls well, to the Hastings compound. Is Ken even alive? Like, is Allie just, yeah. like, spending his inheritance? Who knows? Oh, oh, I have a, I have a theory about Ken when we get down to it. But, uh, yeah, so... I uh, hope you do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Charlotte says, uh, do you think they'll come? Uh, and Allie says, of course they'll come. And she turns, she's facing me, and she turns around. And she says, it's been a long time. Do you think they're still upset with me? Oh, well. <laughs> that was very Arya-esque. Um, rather than answer that truthfully, Allie just kind of takes her hand and squeezes it and says, I will bring you home, Charlotte. I promise. They hug. Charlotte's very grateful. Um, like, the way they have Vanessa Ray dressed here, like, just kind of simple hair, no makeup. Um, it, she, she looks very vulnerable, you know, very sympathetic. Yeah. And Allie in voiceover says, Spencer, Arya, Hannah, Emily, I need you. Please. All my love, Allison. It ends with an A note. <laughs> and then the camera pans over to a teddy bear on the bed. And I keep wondering, is this a clue? Or yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. what, what's up with that teddy bear? Like, I, I, everything in this episode, because you, you know that there's 30 episodes left, right? Mm-hmm. And it, it really seems like in the way this episode is written that, like, everything is intentional here. Mm-hmm. Like, they've really got their ducks in a row. Could be totally wrong, you know? 
uh, could could just be a random thing. But you kind of wonder if that teddy we, bear is going to come back. When we talked to Joseph Jordan, he said he likes to write these episodes mm-hmm. where you kind of come back midway through a season, and he likes to kind of have a hand, like like a very serious hand, in guiding like what this brave new world looks like, and. Uh, my only issue with this episode really is that there's so much to set up and it's not just like plot and mystery and just like like social mysteries. It's like mood and atmosphere. Mm-hmm. And so some scenes feel truncated. You get very little of like who this Charlotte is. I'm sad to say. Yeah. Um. So yeah, we get the well, I think credit. also just in general, the vibe of the episode is you have a bunch of people coming back to their old hometown and that naturally, it's going to be kind of awkward. You're going to have people not sure what to say to other people. Yep. It's very, it's it feels very accurate, but it's not like this isn't like a like a, a Sorkin episode or anything. It's not like super talky just because of those necessary awkward oh, silences. Oh, the the awkward pauses, the kind of sighs, the way they mm-hmm. breathe. That's winning dialogue all of its own <laughs> in this episode. I think, especially like, you know, we'll get to it obviously the hannah and caleb scene. oh yeah yeah i mean that's amazing that's amazing work uh yeah so brandon credits all five liars including allison allison the greatest sin that she's ever committed besides convincing the world that she was you know alive or dead is that she usurps the uh, shusher role from aria just for this one yeah I, I think it's gonna be a fun game to try to guess who gets the shusher each week but she's the shusher right now yeah just uh, so you know aria will fuck up her life because she did this to her I do think it's interesting that in the in the kind of wide shot, they're all standing there looking guilty. She's looking at em, Emily, and Emily's looking down. I don't know what's going on there. Mm. Yeah, so after the crash, we're back in Rosewood. It's day. We're on Main Street. Spencer's parked her car out in front of the church, you know, kind of that general. It's a rental, I hope. It's like a Chevy Malibu or something. Yeah. Spencer doesn't like, drive a Chevy. Just saying. She's like out walking around looking at everything, you know, like we see the church and the bell tower behind her. Uh, she's just like walking through this strange... You know, predatory theme park that always yeah. was Rosewood. Yeah, uh, uh, jeans on, like a kind of long navy blazer thing over like a rose-colored blouse. Uh, very casual look. Yeah, yeah, casual Spencer. Uh, she stops when she hears the familiar sound of like a gaggle of young girls, girls giggling, and looks over. We see four teenage girls sitting at the table outside Lucky Leon's Cupcakes. Spencer <laughs> kind of smiles at the new bitches. Um, I love that they... Much like the yeah, the scene like the trailer park with oh, the yeah. girls and the dolls, they are basically analogs of our four liars. There's even and I don't know if this is intentional or not, but there's even an Asian woman that walks by them that could be like the mode analog if you wanted to go there. Fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. Uh, but yeah, it's like this is the new teen girl squad. It's like everything repeats on this show. It's it's all cycles. It's very mythic. It's like the story is always beginning over and over. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she's just kind of watching these girls, probably, you know, a little rueful, I suppose. Mm-hmm. And then the girls all get a text together and they kind of look at each other like, you know, weirded out. And Spencer, you like immediately like, you know, her smile fades and she's her already marrow turns out. to ice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then eventually the girls just like laugh it off like, haha. And so Spencer takes a breath. Um, yeah. Just a fun little reminder that like as soon as she gets back in Rosewood, you know, it's like you can tell that it's never going to be the same for them in the city now or in this town, I should say. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's, there's always going to be triggers, I think mm-hmm. wherever they go, especially, especially here. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, in the brew, 
Emily's popping pills, so she downs up a, up a drink. Uh, we're about to go theory crazy here. Somebody puts a, comes up behind her, puts her hand over her eyes, and Hannah, it's Hannah's voice says, guess who? And Emily's like, oh my gosh. And Emily like jumps and hugs Hannah and, you know, pull out your bingo card because Bada Benzo, oh, big yeah. hug. Big squealing hug. Uh, very cute. Emily says, I missed you. And Hannah says, oh, I missed you too. And then Team Sparia enters and Spencer says, oh, get a room. Ew. And hashtag Trucy. Uh, very strong theory vibes here, obviously. Yeah. Uh, Arya says, we need a pretty big room. And Emily's like, hi. And they come and hug. Uh, Hannah hugs Spencer. Arya hugs Emily. And then they take a bunch of selfies, <laughs> as you do. As you do. Mm-hmm. It's a barrage um, of selfies. I wonder, like, how long has it been since they've all been together? I kind of yeah, sense that maybe five years. Yeah, I think you get that feeling. Um, like all, all four of them, all, yeah, all of them at once. Yeah, yeah. So eventually, they all settle down in their little nook. Um, I, th- I thought it kind of would have been funny if, like, they went to get go sit in their nook, and there was like the new teen girl squad there, and they had to go somewhere else. Well, like Spencer just kind of casually, all smiles, walks over and leans down, whispers one of the girls' ears, "Get the fuck out of here." <laughs> yeah. So Hannah, or I'm sorry, Spencer's talking to Hannah. And she says, "Any hints about the fall collection?" Hannah says, my non-disclosure agreement is eight pages long. I mean, Claudia would literally chase me down the runway with an axe if I let anything slip. Spencer's just like, LOL, sure, sure, sure. She's like, we've all got NDAs. Yeah. Uh, Arya then grabs Hannah's hand of her ring on it. Arya's like, let me see this. And so the OG Shisher inspects it, and she's just like, it looked bigger when you posted it. That's what she said? Yeah. Uh, Hannah laughs, and they all giggle at this, and... And we says, so I suppose we're going to need our passports to attend the wedding. So this is the first kind of like slightly passive-aggressive comment Emily makes concerning travel and money. And I'm not really sure what her anxiety is about here. But yeah, just, you know, put that in the back of your mind. Yeah. Um, So Hannah's like, well, we're talking to several host nations, but Italy's a strong contender. And Emily's just like, I met a nice Italian girl one time because I'm a player. Uh, (laughs) Saucy. (laughs) On Aria. Being Aria, it's just like, no wonder it took you a year longer to finish college. Um, what if Emily's like secret is that she's like Amanda Knox or something, basically? <laughs> like ran into trouble with the Italian justice system. It. Also, am I mistaken or is either ABC or Freeform or somebody uh, has an upcoming show that's basically an Amanda Knox show? Like set Ooh. in England, though. Somebody I don't know. let me know about that though. Somebody get back to me about that. Yeah, mm-hmm. Emily has this like dangerous and cute smile on her face, like she's just spent the past five years ruining her way through a swath of women. <laughs> well, this is this is a little bit of a different side of Emily, I think. Yeah, she's she's a little more confident about that now. She's well, not not shy. Yeah, I think something Heather told us one time about there's there was a period where it was like Emily was just not aware of the the power of her own <laughs> like like sexuality. Mm-hmm. Uh, or not her sexuality but just her own sexual power and it's like I think Emily Emily that knows out. that she's like a sexual Errol Flynn right now she's mm-hmm. just swashbuckling um, yeah so but Spencer's gotta be Spencer and she's like how's the Salk Institute Emily makes a big face like she's about to lie uh, in case anyone's curious the Salk Institute is a, a non-profit biology research center in La Jolla mm-hmm. uh, nice ways there and Emily says, uh, good. I'm still trying to find my way around. Spencer says, all that great Louis Kahn or Louis Kahn architecture. I want a tour. Emily's like, nerd. they're not doing tours now. <laughs> but, but Spencer's like horrified. Well, like the, the, this hilarious lying face from Emily. And I feel like Spencer has like maybe some low key disbelief here. 
like, huh, I'm not going to push it, you know? Well, I think I think there's those times when Spencer drops her like jaded, weary Spencerness mm-hmm. and is just like unabashedly a nerd or a geek even. And it's like you just stepped on her geek boner here. Like she really wants to go get a tour of all that Louis Kahn architecture. True, but I also feel like there's a little bit of like veiled suspicion there. I feel Spencer is like maybe maybe she's, she's that, not fully registering it, but she's picking up on it. I feel like her her powers are like stronger than ever five years later like she's had five years of a not fucking with her she's very confident mm. yeah her mainframe's probably got some upgrades from mm-hmm. uh, some recent hacking uh so change the subject hannah to aria says how's liam and aria's like liam is adorable but he hates when i tell people that uh, it sounds like Spen- a real drag yeah who's spencer seeing and spencer's like spencer's too busy to see anybody so hannah's like Wait, what about the ambassador's son? And possibly my favorite Spencer line of all time, regime change. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Works on a lot of levels. <laughs> oh, the, the wood is crackling. I feel like we should mention that Arya is wearing this like rhinestone and like blue and white geometry monstrosity of a crop top jacket right now. Arya's, um, Arya's jacket gave me headaches and nightmares in equal also- measure. She's wearing like these kind of like emerald rings on one finger that just completely cl- clash with it. Uh, well, she's she's, she's still, still Arya. I think she's still serving as ambassador at large from the Lollipop Guild, um, mm-hmm. but you know more more weathered here. Yeah, uh, she's got her like kind of brownish hair now. It's it's much lighter. But new theory: Emily and, Emily and Spencer have been crushing it the past five years, but all of their love connections have ended in broken hearts and kuditas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Basically, none of them are allowed to go back to Italy. <laughs> exactly it's not a bad thing uh mm-hmm. so emily says so this court thing are we gonna be under oath and spencer's like no oath it's just about how we feel about charlotte getting out and Arya's like no tell the truth it's, it is about a getting out and hannah spencer says nods. Yeah, yeah hannah says five a free years you have to admit that felt good and spencer is like 150 percent wild anime eyes as she calculates that statement or perhaps it's her conscience around Hannah Banana. <laughs> I mean, a lot has happened. Good, bad, and ugly. But all of it was uncontaminated by A. Emily says, and now A wants to go home. And Hannah's face just says, bitch. As she yeah. Say. Hannah's just uh, throwing shade in some general directions of Charlotte. Mm-hmm. Arya bites her lip. She says, what are we going to do? And Spencer says, we drop our bags. We drop our bags. And we go meet Allie at four o'clock. And we listen to what she has to say. Because Spencer's still leading, as usual. Mm-hmm. Uh, so later, outside Emily's house, Pam and Emily are walking up to the front door. And Pam I like how some... we get the check-in with the parents here. Yeah, yeah. There's like a nice structure to this episode. So Pam's like, so how long can you stay? And Emily's like, I don't know. The hearing's tomorrow. And Pam says, I'm glad you're here, but I wish you didn't have to do this. And Emily's like, well, how about we focus on the fact that I'm here? And Pam's like, right. And Emily says, how's Greg? And Pam says, dead. <laughs> all, all credit to hashtag BLL there. Um, Pam says, no, we're actually, we're taking a little break. And Emily's like, why? And Pam's just like, Emma, it's just time for a break. And Emily's like, I thought you liked him. I'm rushing through this because I have a, I have a query about Pam. Um, and Pam's like, well, let's just talk about that over well, tea. Like, okay? I don't know, well, it's not short truth. Emily, like her tone is like, why? I thought you liked him. Yeah. Like, yeah, Pam just wants to go inside and talk over it. Um, I think, is it maybe that like, so Wayne's gone. Um, R.I.P. Wayne Fields. Yeah, you'll pick up on that. It's like Emily maybe just needs like there to be a, a, a father parental unit maybe or that something or she, she needs her mom, mom to be with someone yeah knows, needs to know that her mom is happy mm-hmm. uh, no um 
yeah, so they decide to go inside for some fucking tea time. But Emily lingers real quick, you know, taps the army flag, handing the one that remember her deceased father before discussing her widowed mother's love life. Yeah, uh, it's it's the the little star that you know that uh, people with uh, people in the, you know relatives in the military hang in their window. But you knew, I mean, obviously you've seen the entire show the the love that Emily has for her father. But mm-hmm. I think also you know how much. He stands in as a metaphor for her strength and security personally, like, you know, the songs of experience, songs of innocence, when she's like wearing the, the, his uniform and shooting mm-hmm. guns and stuff. Um, so my question to you is, who of all of the eligible bachelors in Rosewood was the first to call up Pan Fields to see about making some time? Was it A, Byron Montgomery, B, <laughs> Barry Maple, or C, Kenneth De Laurentiis? Oh, it's not Ken. <laughs> I feel like Ken just pays for sex, probably. Um, <laughs> Mainline. No, I, I'm sure it was, just sure imagine it was Toby. Just during Rosewood. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, how do you think Wayne died? Like, in action? Heart condition? You mean, like, with Pam? I don't know. Well, not that kind of action. <laughs> I, I, I hope it was something interesting. I don't want to hear that just, like, Wayne was, like, dropping a deuce in the middle of the night and his heart gave out. Like Elvis style, yeah, Elvis style. And the mm. Colonel found him. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna guess that it, it was in action, or not, maybe not in action, but like while with the military, something like that. So, so possible, like, like season six finale, like door kicks open and there's Wayne Fields alive carrying what's her name from no. <laughs> no, Wayne did. Uh, and that's just like oh shit um so then we cut to the familiar plaque on the wall for radley santer and we see the gates the familiar gates uh there in the wb lot we pan around to see it's now a swanky fucking hotel oh shit yeah it's like a little restaurant on a patio there as we kind of zoom in over the gates cool cool little shot there and uh, there's hannah and ashley the two of them, they've got some white wine. They're having a little lunch or something. Ashley's got a little name tag on, so she, uh, I believe, that says manager. So this is where this is where she works now. I wonder if the Karasimi group is involved. Yeah, yeah. Uh, adding Ashley, Mer- I mean, we knew that the rally was going to become a hotel. Uh, mm-hmm. That may or may not be a thing from the books, but it's obviously it's been something we I think we've known since since the preview at the end of six ten. Um, but I think adding Ashley Mary Marin to the rally is what turns this idea from good <laughs> to great. It's the final rung in the ladder of PLO ascending to having its own like boozy, super fun Gilmore Girls team. Well, I think when we were watching this, you and me both at the same time, like, oh, she works there. You know, like we saw the name tag and it's like, oh, now that totally fits. Like that's that's how you can keep Ashley around and not just yeah. have her be like a mob well, off to the side. The way Hannah will bring up her mom throughout this episode is such a, a wonderful display of a certain kind of privilege. Mm-hmm. Um, so we see Hannah and her mom having some drinks so they catch up. Also, this is uh, literally right below the spot where Charlotte almost jumped to her death five years and five months earlier. Well, and uh, what's her face? Toby's mom fell to her death. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they are literally having I won't wine. let you forget that plot line. <laughs> having wine in the shadow. Mm-hmm. so many potential deaths and actual deaths um yeah uh so hannah's like wow this is really amazing and ashley's like thank you and Hannah's like seriously you would never know this used to be a nut house 
And she says, okay, we prefer the European definition of Sheikuku when talking about this historic structure. No, that's not what she says. Uh, and Hannah says, well, it looks beautiful. You did a really good job. And she said, thanks. She, she smiles at her mom like she's just so full of shit. <laughs> And it says, didn't it sort of creep you out, though? And Ashley says, we evicted all the ghosts, Hannah. Even soon, Maddie Ziegler? Soon people will forget Maddie Ziegler ever existed. And they'll just be remembered only for our exquisite brunch. Mimosas as fuck. Mm-hmm. And Hannah says, my mother, the exorcist. And Ashley's beaming. Uh, then it's time to do some mothering, though. She says, I was hoping you'd bring Jordan with you. And Hannah seems like a little bit like caught off guard with this. And she's like, uh, yeah, next time. Jordan, Liam, like where do they find these guys? But still, Tool Jordan, City, USA. Yeah, Jordan, I don't like him. Mm-hmm. Not good enough. And yeah. Ashley's a little skeptical, and she says, "I've been trying to get you back here to see the place since we opened." And says, "I know, but I've been busy. I Paris took forever." And Ashley says, "Well, when Allison calls, and it's like it isn't Allison, Mom. It's the court." And she sips her wine. This episode is brought to you by wine. Mm-hmm. Uh, liars drinking everywhere because they this, can this like like it ever food. stopped them before you know? but i feel like there is so much alcohol in this episode i think you only ever actually see it touch the lips of two people though that's so there's probably a lot of more like of a production it comes thing to the face and then cut away yeah um yeah uh, ashley says it's still allison she's been petitioning the court to get charlotte out of the hospital since the day she was locked up you don't owe allison a thing and Hannah can't really make eye contact. I like there's a fun subtext with this relationship where Ashley's kind of the mom back home now, and she still makes Hannah feel young, and Hannah's trying to kind of resist that uh, paradigm of interaction. But you can tell she she agrees with Ashley at the same time, but she can't to- she can't show it because she's trying to be adult Hannah right now. Yeah, she can't improve the nagging. Um, mm-hmm. Ashley then says, "What you hear is after what that person did to you." But yes, to those people who pointed out. I believe that 100% Laura Layton was dubbed here because she's not. I don't. You look at her oh, mouth. Really? She's not saying I didn't person. Even, I didn't even notice. I'm dying to know what that word was. <laughs> I'm wondering after the unfortunate uh, uh, ABC Family Twitter incident mm. that maybe the certain word was changed. I don't know. I can't imagine they would have Ashley just like dropping a slur or anything. Um, but yeah, Hannah says, "Mom, just slurring I, her words." I know what she did to me, and I know exactly what I'm going to say to the judge. She leans back, kind of feeling that feeling. I, I like this scene. It felt pretty authentic. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, over in Casa Montgomery, Arya's handing over kind of an older hardcover book to Byron. She says, Liam wanted you to have this. James Tiptree's short stories you were talking about. James Tiptree Jr. is the pen name of science fiction author Alice Bradley Sheldon. Her stories are fantastic. Um, yeah, she's hanging out. Arya's hanging out with the Mark Maron of the Bad Sad Dads podcast here. Yeah, Byron's like, is he trying to impress me? And Arya says, yes. He says, well, he's off to a very good start. Uh, interesting thing about James Tiptree is a, you know, a woman writing under a male pen name to be more accepted in the sci-fi world. Mm-hmm. One of the stories is about astronauts who find a, a version of Earth where all the males have been wiped out and the women are just fine. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Arya says, he wants to know when you're coming back to Boston. Does he really? What a, <laughs> what a weird thing to ask. Maybe it's just being polite. And Byron says, not until the semester's over. How long are you staying? Says, uh, I guess I'll have to see how it goes. Just, was... just imagine Byron broing down of Arya's new guy. Oh, I'm sure he... Byron always wants to bro down. He wants to be like the young, cool professor guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, he wants to live vicariously through the guy who's uh, dating his daughter. Mm-hmm. 
And Arya's just looking around. She brought home like a million books. And Byron says, so what did you think of the new Riley? Arya says, I haven't seen it yet, but I'm sure we'll get down there. And he says, I thought you were meeting Hannah and the other girls. And Arya's like, no, we we met at the brew, old habits. Byron just puts on a dead face. Yeah, the brew. He's put off. And Arya's like, yeah, that's right. Why? Did you see Ezra there? <laughs> Arya's like, oh, like deer in the headlights. And Byron says, he's back. He still owns the place. And I heard he's moved into the apartment upstairs. And Arya, she's kind of like body language here. She starts kind of like clutching the book she's holding close to her. And she's like, I thought he was still in South America. Byron says, no, apparently he got sick and they sent him home. South America is just like, go home, gringo, you're sick. <laughs> take, take your syphilitic ass mm-hmm. out of our continent. No, we don't want your juice blend. And Byron says, I mean, I haven't talked to him, but I've seen him in town. <laughs> and he leans forward. He's very kind of somber and delicate. Did you know the girl? And he's like, Nicole, I met her once. A long time ago before they left. And he kind of shakes his head. He's haunted. He's like, 15 dead or missing. They're down there building houses. It's not supposed to be controversial. Have you talked to him? Or he's like, I wrote him a letter when Nicole, when it happened, but I never heard back from him. And then she just continues to pull like a dozen more books out of her bag. Well, because she's just, she's ruminating on how insufferable Ezra's going to be <laughs> and how attractive that is to her. I feel like Byron's going to like mansplain to her. Like the new Ezra, he's just gonna be like, "All right, you have to understand, guys like Ezra and I, we all have like either a dead girl or a missing girl in our <laughs> romantic resume." Ah, poor Nicole, she yeah. had to get disappeared for Ezra to live. <sighs> and that's, then that's that's unfortunately one of the things that this show talks about is that too many things trade in the commerce of deceased young women. Um, yeah, so then we're gonna cut to uh, like meanwhile campaigns. Yeah, campaign ad, just in time for the election year, mm-hmm. on a TV. It's uh, for Veronica Hastings, Hastings for State Senate. And uh, the TV says, Hastings for State Senate, the clear, true voice. That's her tagline. Mm-hmm. And then Veronica says, I'm Veronica Hastings, and I approve this message. She's got my vote. Yeah, and then actual Veronica turns off the TV. We're at the Hastings house. She's shown Spencer her new campaign ad. And Spencer it's like, the flag's a really nice touch. I never would have thought of that. <laughs> Spencer's got to be Spencer. Yeah. 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 Bronx says, don't be cynical, Spencer. Oh, you can see the whole room's full of signs and banners for Vote for Hastings here. Spencer's like, where's Dad? Bronx says, in Harrisburg, raising money. You know, just, just give me a knife and fork, because I just want to dine on the Bill and Hillary comparisons. <laughs> oh, yeah. And uh, Spencer says, the family that campaigns together stays together. So does this mean Peter and Veronica are together again? Uh, I they think patch so. things up. Well, I think we were we were foolishly once upon a time thinking about Hastings and Hastings and Hastings and Hastings all wrong. It's not a lawyer show, or not <laughs> just a lawyer show. It's actually about sexy politics. <laughs> yeah, Veronica says your father is a champion arm twister, and we need the cash. It's an off your special election. Winning might come down to if it rains that day, and people decide to stay home. Spencer's like, oh, now who's being cynical? That's not cynical in politics. That's that's like a <laughs> yeah. known truism. <laughs> Rock says, it's your fault I'm doing this. You got involved in government first. You inspired me. Spencer says, I watch the government. I keep it honest. That's what I do. Hmm. Big talk there. Rock says, sweetheart, you work for a lobbyist. 
And Spencer, this feels like so accurate to like a, a young, you know, just out of college, you know, idealistic person. She says, no, we are not lobbyists. We work with grassroots political organizations to advance regressive legislation. Mm-hmm. And Veronica says, mm-hmm, you're a lobbyist. And she picks up one of her Hastings pins and she comes over and pins it on Spencer's lapel. And she says, and your mother is going to be a state senator. And they're both just beaming at each other. And Spencer says, I'm so proud of you. And they hug. Uh, so... If you're if you're still curious at home, whatever actually Annette Benning did in the American president, let's just presume that Spencer does that. Sure. Yeah. I I, I think she's probably like a gopher. Like I think she's talking big there about we watch the government. I think like her her boss watches the government. She's she's probably pretty low level. Might maybe not even paid. Well, and you know, sometimes watching the government involves taking a lot of lunches. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, so or picking the, up a lot of lunches for your boss, yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, at the brew, oh yeah, <laughs> it's about to go down. Arya comes in the brew. She's hunting. She's looking around. Uh, and yes, thank you for people pointing out that we called it. We loved it, and, and we called it mostly because of you know how you you would use sets. But yeah, Toby got evicted. <laughs> uh, so she's looking around. And then through that window there behind the liars' nook, she sees a pair of like shoes and legs descending the stairs. Some Aria fateful brown leather shoes and skinny yeah. jeans coming down the stairs. You know, I've been on the set and I still don't understand the geography of those stairs. Well, I think we saw like it's a Winchester Mystery House thing. They lead to nothing. Well, no. What I what I wonder is like, so he he's coming from his apartment upstairs. Mm-hmm. Is that exit like only open during the, di- the when the brew is open, like? Do you have to like exit separately? Because this it it comes right into the coffee shop. It's not like it it comes to a little alcove with you know or a door to leave I, the coffee shop. I would think that so there's like a little hallway outside of remember Toby's door. Mm-hmm. I would imagine in that hallway there's probably two ways you can go. One is probably down to this staircase into the brew. And I bet the other is that kind of outside entrance that we saw Spencer like crying. Yeah, yeah. You know, I went. I'm just wondering, like, does like the doorway at the top lock so like you can't come down when the coffee shops close? I don't know. I I don't know. I feel like we're adding a lot of doors to (laughs) this scenario. What we really need to get into is the plumbing. (laughs) It's a lot of bags. I loved, I loved. The symmetry, though, when we first came up with that theory, it involved Ezra in his apartment looking out the window <laughs> to see Toby throwing a bag of shit out the window. And now Ezra's the one throwing the bag of shit out the window. Oh, oh how man. the worm has turned. A lock and change Yeah, We're very in the lead here, though, because uh, Arya's eyes get big as she sees schlubby, stubby Ezra Fitz <laughs> walking in. And he does the most hilarious, bitchy, like, it's like a body sigh. Like, it's just like, ah. You know, like, oh no, Arya's here. What I do the baristas think of their boss? I would have loved that the first lines uttered in the Dark Ezra saga were just him seeing Arya and then going, fuck! <laughs> what was he going to do if Arya wasn't down here? You're just going to, like, creep around? He'd go, go back up the stairs and wait. He's probably been coming up and down <laughs> for the past three hours. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, definitely the most realistic thing about the five years later is that this place is still financially solvent. Yeah. Well, probably think, like maybe his mom is like secretly keeping him afloat. Here's the key to their success as I see it. Ezra's been out of the country for a while. <laughs> Ezra's like, it's a good thing we get this anonymous order for 9,000 lattes once a month. That really puts us in the black. No, I think I think the fact that like 
the teenage staff manages it on their own <laughs> without any interference from Ezra is probably what keeps it running. Mm-hmm. Um, but Ezra looks like a bullet that was fired from the gun years ago has finally found him and is ready to put him out of his misery. Arya is just raiding and pleased. I, 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 I don't see please. I see pity. Like that, she has this look on her face that I need a gif of because it's oh. just like, aww. I I see the pity, and then buried in the pity, I see the pleasure. I I took the screen caps from the sa- from a similar scene in Let the Water Hold Me Down, <laughs> which I want to put on Twitter just to get the people's side by side perspective. So after the commercial, Arianez are sitting at, at a table on the side. Well, I feel kinda... like we we should say though, it's she gives him a smile, but it's kind of a weak smile, like. There's there's definitely distance here. It's not just like, yay, I'm happy to see you. Right, right, yeah, yeah. They're not going to run into each other's arms and hugs. Um, so yeah, afterwards, they're sitting together. He's like slumped in a chair. He is oh. in full-on broken, petulant dildo mode. Well, give it up for Ian Harding's body language here. Yeah. He's like, it, it almost looks like the chair is like not the right fit for him, the way he's like slouched in it with terrible posture. Uh, I love it. Ron, Ron, can I actually get a chair that's three sizes too small? I think that's going to do a lot. <laughs> so for one of the chairs from Lucy Hale's set? Yeah, give me one of Lucy's chairs. <laughs> they go to like, the nearest dollhouse and pull out a chair. Yeah. Um, Ezra's just like, your bosses are very angry with me. And she's like, they're not angry. And he's like, they gave me an advance in the second book. And she's like, they know what happened in South America. They understand. And he's like, well, then they're ahead of me because I don't understand any of it. I don't understand how a girl that I met in this shop who never hurt anybody can be dragged off by half-baked revolutionaries and no one can seem to find her. So if this you understand is, that... This is darkest Ezra here. Feel his pain. Explain it to me. You yeah. go somewhere to help. It shouldn't cost you your life. So I, I have many thoughts here. Uh, number one, how can he not understand this? This happened to the liars like every other week. Yeah. Like they're constantly getting kidnapped. Uh, number two, Arya definitely hired some gorillas to kidnap Nicole. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's just being such an ass. He's like throwing it in her face. She's trying to be sympathetic. Like, yeah. so if you understand that, explain it to me. Consider the audience, though. Spencer, Emily, and Hannah, for the longest time, were being kidnapped or terrorized physically every <laughs> other week. And Arya would literally say to them, you guys, I had the weirdest dream about both Ezra and my father last night. Yeah. And they're like, you know, pulling glass and blood out of their scalp. <laughs> well, he's just like, it shouldn't cost you your life. And he's sipping his coffee and kind of like randomly glaring i think eventually he realizes he's an asshole he's like i'm sorry sorry uh once again too bad nicole had to die for you to suffer ezra well even jack from lost at his lowest would be like hey ezra bro take it down a notch Mm -hmm. a little intense um also dragged off by half-baked resolutionaries uh, no body apparently. Totally alive. One hundred percent, she's alive. They're going to get back together, and like five seconds later, like she's going to show up, basically. Yeah, yeah. Uh, meanwhile, out in the woods, Bob Villa is on the set of this old house, <laughs> catching up with old Toblerone here. He's doing some construction on a grassy knoll. Got a saw because he he knows Spencer's obsessed with the notebook. He's been planning this one for a long time. Well, well, much like Ezra, you know, potentially going up and down those stairs mm-hmm. for three hours, just waiting for Ari to show up. What if Toby's just been out there sawing <laughs> the same piece of wood? <laughs> I'm just making very short pieces of wood. Uh, he's got a new truck. It's not the old gold one. There's it's way bigger. less, way less Toaster personality in that thing. Uh, a little bit more compensation, possibly. What is he sawing the wood for? Has he laid a foundation yet? I don't know. Doesn't seem that way. Yeah. 
But Spencer walks up around the truck and he turns and smiles. He's pulling off his gloves. He's like, hey. Uh, and it's a little bit awkward because uh, he, like, she was, I think, was going to shake her, his hand, but then he goes for the hug. Mm-hmm. Uh, she hugs him. And she's like, hey. And he's like, when did you get here? He is back to being super awkward, dorky Toby. And I got to say, I love it. I do like, I like Toby and stuff. So, uh, and Spencer says, uh, just a couple hours ago. And it's a little awkward. And so she kind of looks at the construction. She's like, wow, this is really impressive. He says, I, I, uh, I just wanted to see if I could do it. What turns are these out are same, I cannot. <laughs> what are these are the same blueprints they tried to give Peter Hastings back <laughs> in season two? Yeah. <laughs> Spencer's like, how's it going? Uh, it's harder than I thought. I curse <laughs> a lot. It's very therapeutic. How's Washington? I fuck Caleb. I mean, <laughs> I curse a lot. <laughs> it's very therapeutic. Uh, and they laugh. Oh, what a wit. And Toby's like, uh, Caleb said he saw you there. And Spencer's like, oh, yeah, you guys talk <laughs> like suddenly like like alarm bells going off in her head. Well, uh, I did not even pick up on it at this point. They play their cards so close to the vest in this mm-hmm. episode, and it's magnificent. I when like when doing the notes, I was just like, "Oh." <laughs> well, every time Caleb comes up in conversation with Spence, now you're just watching her so closely. She's got yeah. such a poker face about it. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Well, and I, I really have to wonder: Did Troy and demand to know how to play these scenes? You know, because we're not going to find out what's going on in this episode. I I could only assume she must have wanted to know, like what what am I playing this as? You know, right. Right. Well, because you, you know how Hannah's going to play it, or how Ashley Benson's going to play it. Uh, and Toby says, uh, now and then. We uh, we went fishing last summer. Spencer's like, seriously? He says, yeah, we're the brotherhood of ex-boyfriends. We got to stick together. That one died painfully. Oh, man. I that love podcast, that. Though, that podcast would be amazing. That I love the brotherhood of ex-boyfriends. Uh, he holds out his hands in this very like, Kiana-esque like, bro fashion. And she just stares at him inscrutably and, and until he basically feels like he committed a faux pas. Well, the, the sad thing is, I feel like Toby, when he thought it up before it like found like the words found its way to his lips, he's just like, this is a winner. This is going to kill. Also, my theory is that the Brother of Ex-Boyfriends podcast is just Toby and Caleb. Mm-hmm. And Ezra keeps showing up. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about half-baked revolutionaries. Caleb's just like, you've got your own podcast, buddy. Get back to bad, sad dads. <laughs> Um, well, I, I, watching the way she reacts there, because I mean, it was kind of a funny line and she just doesn't bite at all. Right. If they're going there with the Spalip thing. Right. I feel like Tr- Spencer's kind of like suddenly very nervous about this idea that, that Toby and Caleb hang out. Uh, cause I, you know, presumably it's like a big secret. It's a dumb name, but the brother of ex-boyfriends, you know, it's, it's a possibly like dorkily cute podcast. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to listen to a podcast called Eskimo Brothers. No. I'll bet there's one out there, though. Uh, Toby oh. says, uh, so, you in town for your mom's campaign? I will show you the Eskimo Brothers podcast. Yeah. Spencer says, no, uh, I got a request from the state of Pennsylvania. They would like my opinion on something. And Toby's like, Allie's trying to get Charlotte out of the hospital. Spencer says, yeah, we're here to talk to the court. And he's like, we... And Spencer says, Arya, M, Hannah, and me. And Toby Toby. says, you mean the liars, murderers, and thieves you call your friends? This is where a sane person would pack a bag and go (laughs) on a long vacation. I know, seriously. Uh, It says, all of you in one place at one time. When's the last time that happened in Rosewood? 
And Spencer's like, long time. And he's like, but when Allison flashes the bat signal, Spencer's like, it's not like that, you know? We're still friends. We're not just let's go see a movie and have dinner kind of friends. We're the I saved your life, now you saved mine kind of friends. You know, you were there. To be fair, I was pretty stoned on gummy bears for most of 6A. I think we... We already get to see a little bit of a hint about what probably drove them apart here is that he resents that she will come back to Rosewood for them, but not for him, basically. What I'm well, picking up on. Which has always been the lighter bond. But I, mm-hmm. I like the the amicable reunion of, of exes, and there's a little bit of that, and it's not always intentional, where you try to rewrite the edges of the past. Mm-hmm. Either to suit the version that you want or to keep the peace. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Cause sometimes if you had a bad breakup, you could be friends later and it's just kind of unspoken. We're never going to talk about certain aspects of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so he's like, how long are you going to be here for? And she says, well, the hearings, you know, tomorrow. And then I don't really know. Actually, Toby voice. I just, I need that cathartic release. Mm-hmm. Can I buy you a dinner before you leave? And Spencer's like, yeah, sure, we can do that. There's a hint of condescension there. Like, I, I think maybe it's too formal for Spencer. Right. Like, she seems surprised and abused. I just yeah. want her to come back to her her mom's house, and there's like a frozen microwave dinner <laughs> with like a boat. That's <laughs> like a note from Toby. Yeah. <laughs> Enjoy Rosewood. Yeah. Bon appetit. Spencer says, um, I, I should go, though. I'm supposed to be meeting Allie, and I'm already late, so I'll call you, okay? Still the same number? Same number. She's well, like, that's that's everything you need to know right there, shippers. She's not called him. But she has yeah. to ask if it's the same number. And this dork is just, like, ecstatic to be like, it is the same number. The one you've had for five years <laughs> and never used. Not even a drunk dial. I called you last week. Uh, Spencer says, cool. She turns to leave, but then she stops after a few steps and turns back, a little smiling a little. She says, Toby, who are you building the house for? And Toby says, what makes you think I'm building it for somebody? And Spencer says, because I know you. Mm. And he smiles at first, and then it just kind of really hilariously dies on his face. It's like he's suddenly thinking, wait a minute, who am I building this for? <laughs> like, he has really hilarious expressions at the end of the scene. So she kind of smiles, maybe a little sad, and then walks off. And he kind of smiles again, and he like he rolls his eyes, like, "Oh, I'm so dumb. What was I thinking?" <laughs> I I want that gift. Just yeah, I need that forever. Gift. Mm-hmm. I need a bat. This is the Keegan. This is Keegan Allen's niche, though. Like when you go back to season four, and it's like that moment where I I came around. I was like, I fucking love this guy. You know, with the <laughs> <laughs> your mom's lazy. That scene, he's like, no, my toy cars. Like, <laughs> Keegan Allen, like, he doesn't need to be every other, like, like mimbo beefcake. Or as well, he was, like, just Amy destined Sherman to be would the... Say, the stable of hot boys. Like, yeah. he needs to be the weird guy of abs. He was destined to be the townie, too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but he needs to be, like, the amiable, like, just mm-hmm. dork. Um, that's where his charm is. Uh, so later... We peek into Allison's classroom. She's sitting on top of her desk, facing the four liars, making their own kind of liar wall, you know, run the, the desk, the student's desk. And Allison says, Charlotte's getting the help she never had when she was little. Five years of treatment, undoing all the damage. I visit her. I spend time with her. She even stayed at my house for a, for a weekend last Christmas. And Hannah says what we're all thinking, because Hannah got to be Hannah. Mm-hmm. They let her out. And Allison's <laughs> like... <laughs> yeah, it's a supervised visit. 
Spencer says, so Charlotte is all better now. What does this have to do with us? Time to get down to brass tacks. Yeah. Allie says, at the hearing tomorrow, the judge will decide that she should be released. And they want to hear from people who were involved. And Spencer's like, victim statements. And Allie's like, statements of support. Statements that she isn't a threat to anybody. That you guys are not afraid of her anymore. And just blank stares. Even Emily's like pretending to yawn and looking away. Well, it's it's blank stares that kind of are trying to hide the more real, like, mm-hmm. like bitch, are you for real yeah. vibe. Well, and I gotta wonder, is Allie really this oblivious, or is this just her preferred method of coercion here? Is oh, she just like, that. I'm going all in on this, you yeah. know, I'm, I'm just going to play it as open and vulnerable as possible, and they'll do what I want. Right. Uh, and Allie says, there's no reason to be afraid. You know her. You heard her story. We all went through this together. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, we did. We have the scars to prove it. And he says, you're asking us to give a get-out-of-jail-free card to someone who tried to kill us. And Allie's like, she's in the hospital, Hannah. She's not in jail. And Ari's like, she's lucky. And Allie says, and we're lucky to be alive. Allie says, that's why your statements would mean so much. Which I love the way she turns it back around to her yeah, way. I know. Spencer's like, who else is speaking? And Allie says, Mona demanded to be heard. Yes. She's going to talk to the judge about the dollhouse and being tortured. The only other, like, like if I were to do a reshoot, you know, before this aired, would be to have Sasha Peters be like, but did you die? <laughs> yeah. And Hannah says, what about Sarah Harvey? And Hallie's like, what about her? Burn. <laughs> Hannah just raises her eyebrows. And she's like, enough said on that. Poor shower. And Arya says, well, suppose we do talk to the judge. They march in Sarah Harvey. She gives a few choice words about what happened to her that night at Radley. And Allie says, she's not allowed to testify because of how her criminal charges were resolved. What the fuck did they do to Shower? Oh, I, I gotta know. Also, how much time did Shower get? Like, yeah, community how her, service? <laughs> well, how were her charges resolved? You were mm-hmm. saying something about an I'm Arlene King tweet about something they did to her in the dollhouse. But the line is clearly right there. That night at Radley. Yeah, I don't know. You know, to be honest, I've been avoiding, like, all the official social media for this show for the past month or two. I, I'm not even reading, like, the episode descriptions or anything. I'm trying to stay pretty spoiler-free as possible. Um, so I, I'm not up on all the recent kind of extracurricular stuff going but on. But I'm sure that. I'm sure Marlene's not tweeting, oh, by the way, Shower's got robot devil hands. <laughs> <laughs> that we know of. Uh, <laughs> so uh, Spencer says, why isn't Jason here? Allie says, he doesn't agree with Dr. Rollins and me. Emily says, okay, you realize what you're asking us to do. You want us to forgive Charlotte. And Allie, showing a little bit of that spine, she says, I don't care if you forgive her. I'm asking you to give me my only chance at a real family. And Hannah says, Allison, we're here to say how we feel, and you're asking us to lie. Just dropping those truth bombs, Hannah Banana. Mm -hmm. And Allie says, please do this. Do this for me. And Spence gives Hannah a look, just, you know, bitch, are you for real? And Spence is like, pretty please, with sugar on top? And Allie's like, what? And Spencer says, that's what you say on the playground to exact a favor. We're not on the playground anymore, Allison. We haven't been for a long time. Just damn, game face. Mm-hmm. Not an ounce of sympathy. It's not, she's not like malicious, but just remorseless. Mm-hmm. You know, Allie is like at a loss. She's All she can say is like, please. Mm-hmm. And the liars just say nothing. And Allie's just stunned. Like her power has waned. And she just walks out pretty crushed. Cold-blooded. Um... <laughs> I, you know, I, I obviously I love the character Spencer. <clears throat> I love the way all the writers handle her. I love what Troyan does. 
Um, I think a lot of people, like dialogue wise, will acknowledge that Joe Story's like strength is in the the short speeches. Like he really nails an emotion, mm-hmm. especially a sad one or something from your past. Um, the the turn of phrase here that Spencer uses is delicious. Exact a favor. <laughs> Yeah. I'm not asking you for a favor. I'm exacting a favor. <laughs> I love it. Um Well, you know, th- this scene is interesting and really this episode is it kind of exists in a, a weird place where this was in the can like weeks and weeks before the finale even aired. Mm-hmm. Um so there was no opportunity to kind of get fan reaction mm-hmm. going into the 5 years later. They they just, you know, it was like a week later they were shooting the next episode. Mm-hmm. Um so you're kind of looking for how is this show going to be in kind of a conversation with, you know, the, the past five years and it doesn't have the fan response there. I think they definitely didn't anticipate some of the fan reaction from the finale. Right. Right. Uh, one thing I think they did though, is that I saw a lot of people have been arguing online for the past four or five months over whether or not Charlotte deserved to be forgiven. And so I think in, in this instance, it is some good foresight to kind of address that in the episode of like, you know, is is forgiveness should it be on the table should they forgive her and that's basically you know the liars are faced with that question in this episode well you know so when we talk about lost and we talk about the people who complain about lost inaccurately we feel it's because they're putting the mystery before the characters and that's one thing that i don't think PLL gets enough credit for you want to talk about the uh, uh creative timeline that's that's one thing sure but there is an emotional resonance to so much of it, though, that I think trumps a lot of the details of a mystery. Um, like you said, the liars are are our entry point. I mean, you'll see Arya how like one of those triggers physically looks to her, you know, as as she mm-hmm. deals with the past and the present in, in this very topic. Um, I I'm always frustrated though because I see the people who complain online and they're like, why can't we have a villain who is just like unpardonably, <laughs> unrepentantly pure, black-hearted evil? And it's like that's never been what I think PLL is about though. No, I, I wouldn't say so. You know, it's not like it's the it's not like the literal boogeyman. It's not <laughs> it's not Michael Myers. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, so later we're on the steps of City Hall. Veronica Hastings is giving her stump speech. Maybe she's announcing her candidacy. It's not totally clear. This would actually be a big deal for a candidate to be able to speak in front of the police department, like right on their steps, though. I guess. Yeah, I don't know. Veronica so says, defense attorney. Veronica says, I am not one of those candidates who runs for office telling you how much I hate the government and want to take it apart. So I guess she's a Democrat. Uh, and all the liars are in the crowd watching. And Veronica says, like you, I understand that the size of the problem dictates the size of the solution needed. And then Hannah says, if being honest and truthful is so damn purifying, why do I feel like the bottom of somebody's shoe? Mm-hmm. And they all grimace as Veronica you know, kind of continues. You know, government does the job that only government is big enough to do. And everyone's applauding. Spencer's clapping, very proud. And Veronica says, our courts are not the enemy of freedom. And then she turns to uh, the others and Spence says, look, they have the reports. Okay, they know what Charlotte did to us when she was A. We don't need to talk about all that. All we've got to say is that we're not afraid of her. That's all Allie wants. Get, we, then we get the hell out of here. And Ari says, is it the truth that we're not afraid? And says, maybe it is. I mean, look at us. We did get away. We won. Maybe we didn't kill the dragon, but we definitely tamed it. And Spencer's kind of watching her mom. She says, oh, I'll be right back. And Veronica's saying, no one feels safe where anyone can be victimized. Mm-hmm. 
But then. <laughs> Spencer's walking around the side of the stage, and then a voice from behind her. Your mom's doing well in the polls for such an untested candidate. It's Mona Vanderwall. And they start making out. Mona is wearing a very similar shade blazer, like another navy blazer, just like Spencer's. Dark Spencer. Darker red blouse on underneath. Mm-hmm. Spencer turns. Mona's like, you need a teacher. Yeah. Mona will show her the ways of the force. Spencer says, hi, Mona. And Mona says, I waved at you at the Kennedy Center reception. You didn't see me. Spencer. Poor Mona. Shrug. <laughs> yeah, Spencer's like, I'm sorry. And Mona's like, look at us. All this time, we both end up in the same business. And Spencer's like, um, not really. And Mona says, we both sell policy. And Spencer's like, different kinds of policy. So who is Mona lobbying for? Like, Massive Dynamic or something? <laughs> I want to take us two different directions. One, <clears throat> I would totally be okay with this basically turning into Star Wars prequels. And it's just Mona and Spencer arguing about policy and meetings. Two, Mona is like... Ontological super nightmare hacker Tracy Flick. <laughs> I mean, <Yeah>. right? Like, <laughs> um, so guess what? turns to leave to go take her moment on stage, but you never turn your back on Mona because that's when Mona drops the realest shit on you. And she says, Do you still have nightmares? And Spencer kind of freezes and stares back at Mona like she's found her tender spot. And Mona's like, I do three shrinks and a whole lot of prescriptions, but I still have bad dreams. How about you? Such is quiet. Before she can say anything, we hear Veronica on the stage say, Now I'd like to introduce one of the reasons why I'm running for office. A woman has been accused of murder more times than Steve Avery. <laughs> My daughter, Spencer Hastings. The crowd's like going fucking wild. Three-time murder suspect and person of interest in a dozen unsolved crimes. She's, uh, new, she's new back in town. Give her, I don't know, 48 hours. She'll be under suspicion again. Well, you know, I like that stone-faced response from Spencer there. Like, of all the people in the world that Spencer would refuse to crack in front of, Mona is number one. Right. Like right. she's she's never gonna let Mona see her her uh, you know sweat basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so that's Spencer's cue to get out of this convo, and Mona's just like, "Don't miss your cue." So Spencer goes up on stage and hugs her mom, and everyone's cheering, and Mona's clapping and smiling to herself, you know, just being like shady fucking Mona, and then she takes off. It's a weird moment. You can tell Spencer's not absolutely totally comfortable being on stage with the public eye like that, especially considering it's back in this town and everything. But oddly enough, from this scene, I am so smitten with the unrequited pining that Mona's doing for Spencer here. Well, Mona does nothing without a purpose, and she's very satisfied as she claps and walks off. Like, was what she did there, were there other motives? Like, is she playing a specific type of game through this episode that we don't know yet? Like, it's like, was she intentionally trying to rattle Spencer or something? Like we always hope for new Allison, you know, I hope so. But mm-hmm. also, I think Mona has been on a, a mission to have her own sense of self validated, you know, since Allison, since the liars, since the dollhouse. I think she's basically going to tell Spencer here, like, you have to treat this shit as real. Like, it happened to me. It happened mm-hmm. to you. If you're going to pretend like it's not real, and that's that's implying that it wasn't real what happened to me, and I'm not going to fucking allow that. Thank Hence, you. I demand to be heard at this at this hearing. <laughs> um, so later that night, two of the saddest sacks of shit ever. Toby oh, and- be nice. <laughs> well, they're kind of moping here, in case you forgot they were friends. Yeah, this is what you do when you go back to town. You drink some craft beer on your porch. And everyone watching the scene is holding their breath, hoping they don't hook up at the end of it. Yeah, yeah, seriously. Uh I would love a deleted scene where, like, 
Toby and, and Emily just talk about like how fucking hoppy the local brewery that makes this is or what have you or whatever yeah. beer splaining nonsense. Uh, these guys aren't beer splainers. To- Toby's Toby's just like just give give me some beer, I will drink it. Yeah, I like He's a townie. Refreshing IPA after our long hard day of looking at wood and thinking, what the fuck do I do with all this wood? <laughs> Toby says Spencer and I just went out of sync. It happens. I, I, I like this town, but everywhere she went, it was like she saw something she wanted to forget. Like I wonder me. why, Officer Dewey. Yeah. Emily says, I wouldn't have pictured you and Allie to be the ones to stay. Like, really, Emily? Toby has Townie written all over him. He's basically 40 already. Uh, Toby says, different reasons, same results. Emily says, you got your degree, didn't you? And he takes a swig and kind of nods smiling. He says, took a while, mostly nights, but I got it. What did you get your degree in, Toby? Abs? And I'll have you know, I am a licensed cosmetologist. <laughs> I actually, I love this next line by Toby. I, I think this is great delivery by King. And he says, didn't do much good this year. Got passed over for promotion. And it's like, aw, loser Toby. Like, I, I, I empathize with you, bro. You know, it's like, he's just kind of like, this is, he, he sees where his life is now. You know, not, not going quite the way he wanted to. Well, it's it's interesting though. I I like this Toby. I don't want to see the crying over the mother. Um, it wasn't necessarily I know he wants to see that Keegan Allen's performance, but it was something about that storyline didn't gel with me. Obviously, because I think if you take this look at this podcast hard, we probably spent like twelve hours combined shit talking that storyline. Mm-hmm. But uh, at least twice in the show storylines, they've significantly made part of Toby's character his imposed absence on Spencer's world. Mm -hmm. And I like the idea that here's Toby, who's just like all vulnerabilities. His entire character right now consists of the holes and the Swiss cheese. Uh, But yeah, it's, you know, he's a little older and I think he's suddenly seen his life laid out before him now or not suddenly, but you know, there's a dawning sense. Have you seen that movie young adult with Charlie's Theron? (laughs) Yeah. He's he's getting passed over for promotion. He's just gonna be that guy in town. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Emily says college wasn't what I thought it was gonna be. I mean, look at Arya, Spencer, and even Hannah. It all seemed to click for them. Toby's like, not for you. And Emily says, no. I had a hard time when my dad died. I just couldn't see a point to it. And Toby's like, to college. And Emily says, to anything. Uh, and then the music plays and they take a swig and everyone's like holding their breath and finally release it because it doesn't cut to them like hooking up or anything. I just want more scenes of these two crushing beers and feeling sorry for themselves. I oh, mean, yeah. so so Emily retreated as you do whenever you're lost young in your life to bartending and presumably a series of like nihilistic hookups. Well, there's the question of what those pills are for. And, you know, it's like people are like, oh, she, you know, like a pill popping act or something. Maybe they're like anxiety meds or something. I mean, she kind of, she basically just said that like, she, you know, went, got severely depressed, you know, yeah. didn't see a point to life. Yeah. Um, I'm going to presume that when Toby walks down the street, people still cross the other side, but for different reasons now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're in court the next day. It's for the hearing. Allie's at this little witness table behind them or the four or behind her, the four liars. And then uh, Mona is just creeping in the ba- very back there. Dr. Rollins is off to the side. Just, I, I guess there's a reason for him to be there. Uh, <laughs> Allie says, my family has always had a missing part. What's missing is my sister, Charlotte. Past five years, I've gotten to know, come to love this missing part of my family. 
And now I want to bring my sister home. So I guess Allison was totally cool with like being framed for murder and left to rot in jail for months. Uh, you know, did she die? Did you die? Did it build character? Perhaps. Uh, yeah. Spencer's turn. She's going to. Spencer's like what she's wearing here. Like it. it's like this white coat with these huge lapels and it almost looks like there's a cape. I think it's just because the sleeves are so big. I mean, it, it's it's something. It's like it's very much like what uh, what uh, Jessica Chastain is wearing in Jurassic World. It's like that kind of outfit, I think. Uh, Jessica Chastain, huh? Yeah, that was a joke. Uh, so Spencer's at the table. She oh, says, oh, "The liars ever enter a courtroom now, not assuming you know what I could very well get arrested at the end of this. <laughs> it happened <laughs> once; it could happen again. Better look good for the mugshot." Spence says, I'm sure that you've read all the documents about who Charlotte is and what she's done to us. Those are just reports. One thing that I've learned from all this is that people are not always the things that they do. Charlotte Dillon just poses no threat to me. It's very diplomatically worded there. <laughs> no love loss. Well, yeah. So I, I, you see Allison kind of registered that subtle look of quiet victory here. Like, okay, you know, the, the, one of the biggest uh, gremlins that I had to worry about. Yeah. These four. That's down. That's over with. Oh, it wasn't think, a ringing endorsement, but yeah. But I think to a certain extent, the liars, they're not just speaking about Charlotte. They're speaking about themselves here. You know? Yeah, yeah. There's definitely that reflection. Uh, sometimes literally they're talking about themselves like Hannah here because it's her turn. She says, <laughs> I was angry for a long time, but now every morning I wake up, I drink coffee. That's a detail I need to mention. <laughs> uh, and I walk outside. It's either sunny or it's raining, but there I am. I'm free. I don't see why Charlotte shouldn't have the same chance to get caught in the rain as I do. And Arya's thinking, like, really? No reasons come to mind? None at all. Uh, you can tell Arya's already feeling the stress. And Hannah says, no, I'm not afraid of her. And Allie and Dr. Rollins smile at each other. And then it's Emily up there. She says, my dad. Hold on. We watched this in Hannah turn. And we were just, like, watching Arya. And I think because we're both so tuned in Arya, mm -hmm. we were just like, Arya is, like, uncorking so many grenades to throw into <laughs> these people's lives. Yeah. And Emily says, my dad taught me that fear is natural. It's good instinct. He also said that you can decide what you're going to be afraid of, like a Scientologist. I decided I'm not going to be afraid of Charlotte de Laurentiis. And now it's the Shusher's turn. She's got a little speech prepared, handwritten on a piece of paper like an animal. And she's reading her statement. She's very fidgety, obviously uneasy. And she says, Allison and Dr. Rollins have told us how well Charlotte's been doing how rapidly she's been able to integrate herself with the general hospital population. They feel strongly that, and then, oh, interruption. Somebody just walked in the door. It's Ezra fucking Fitz. Why is he even here? And he's just, like, just like, sorry. Let the court show. I have no business being here, and that's why I'm here. <laughs> yeah, he's like, sorry, and he shuts the door and sits in the back. I'm like, isn't that the asshole who's always trying to sell me a custom juice blend? <laughs> Yeah, and Arya is, like, thoroughly rattled now. She's looking back at him, uh, and the judge is like, Miss Montgomery? Just kind of, like, get her attention. Arya's like, sorry. She goes back to reading. She says, they feel strongly that now is the right time for Charlotte. And the judge says, Miss Montgomery, I've read the same reports you have. And Arya says, well, the doctors. And the judge is like, the doctors can speak for themselves. You're here to tell me if you'd feel safe should Charlotte de Laurentiis leave the hospital. And Arya, she kind of lowers her eyes to her statement. She starts to have those shaky PTSD flashes of torture in the dollhouse. Mm. The judge is like, Miss Montgomery? And Arya closes her eyes, and we see more, you know, like the dollhouse, uh, A putting her in the box with Garrett, A stapling her to that wall, and 
Arya looks up. She's totally shaken. She says, no, no, I would not feel safe. The, the, the tarp and the unfinished brew at the start of 5B. Mm -hmm. I feel like the fact that it's the, the unfinished brew and Ezra's here is so interesting, especially since Ezra, her patron saint of like, just go ahead and be the (laughs) like adorable monster that you are. Has well, like shown up to giving her the courage to follow her heart here. It, there's a question of is did he rattle her or is he giving her strength here? You know, you can, or, depending or on honestly, what kind well, of shiver you are, you can interpret that how you yeah, will. Yeah. Oh, uh, I like that idea. Can we call ourselves shippers if we're not rooting for the relationship? Yeah, I don't know. Are uh, we are we sirens then? <laughs> are we the rocks? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, and the liars, are, you know, because Arya just said, no, no, I'd not feel safe. And the liars all kind of look at each other like, oh. And Allie and Dr. Rollins hang their heads. Arya looks over at Allie, almost like she's surprised that she just said that. Mm-hmm. I have to think Allie kind of understands. Like, I don't know, you can't fault somebody for feeling afraid. No. Uh, and Arya delivers her awesome monologue here. She says, I was on the red line going to Braintree, and the train stopped in the tunnel between the stations. The power went out, and it was dark. No, not dark. It was black. And I was back in every box and every dark, tight space that A ever put me in, and I couldn't breathe. Then I heard a girl crying. Good. I thought somebody else is scared out of her mind. Then the power came back on, and every single person on that train was staring at me. Because I was the girl that was crying. I don't want Charlotte, at least. Ever. Man, poor Arya. I think that the dollhouse really permanently changed that manner. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I mean, in, literally, poetically, it's such a great little mini monologue. Cause you can't help but feel for her. Mm-hmm. Well, we get a couple interesting little details there. Number one, Arya basically just said that she's disassociative now. Uh, number two, I I don't know what you think about this. I think her story is actually undermining her concerns about Charlotte being released. Hmm. Because Arya is basically telling the judge that I already have these episodes, even though Charlotte's in the hospital. Like, she's afraid regardless of where Charlotte is. Well, I know Charlotte's in a hospital, and this is what it's what, what interacting of her has done to me. Well, I mean, Can you imagine what happens if she's free and I could run into her, or she's out in the world and could come after me again? Th- that's obviously Arya's angle, but I wonder if the judge is thinking, well, it's clear that, that you're, you're afraid already. And, you know, maybe this is more about you necessarily than whether or not Charlotte would be released. Well, that and I think the fact that Arya's story can change with the with the smallest bit of prompting or pressure by the mm-hmm. judge. You know, I think that's what makes her unreliable. Um, yeah. So a lot of people, from what I gathered, like the way they talked about this part of Boston, this sounded like a place where like your demons and nightmares travel on public <laughs> transport to mingle and play and do commerce. And I have not gotten a clear idea of what kind of area Braintree is, but one of our listeners, Sarah the Opera Singer, reached out to me to kind of explain, uh, where was it? Basically, that, that direction on the red line is like, it's like, a, what'd she say? Like, it's a, like a toy train that's constantly breaking down. Like, what <laughs> Ari is describing is the regular. Oh. Um, and that, but also that Arya, I don't know what kind of place Braintree is, but she says Arya would never, ever be going there. <laughs> yeah. She's not the person to go there. She would be going to a place called Porter or Davis because Davis is so Arya. I would not like to, know, I would like to hear more about that, people. And thank you, Sarah, for especially reaching out. I really liked when we can get the geographical 
uh, uh, scoop mm-hmm. these places. I mean, I've only been to Pennsylvania like once in my life, but I, I remember when Amanda would give us the details about like Rosewood. <laughs> yeah, the, the Rosemont. Yeah, yeah. Um, so then, as a means of trans transition, we get Hannah leaning over to Spencer and being like, "Here comes the last nail in the coffin," because it's Mona's turn. Mona's demanded so, it. Interesting detail here: uh, Arya and Ezra are both gone now. Yep. Yep. What are they up to? Probably outside smoking. Uh, I either that or they found a bathroom. I was going to say Arya wouldn't. Arya's not the type. Then I was like, no, she is. <laughs> we, we established that in the pilot. <laughs> Uh, so Mona's got her own statement that she's contemplating here as a judge is waiting. Typed up statement. Yeah. Like, like a human being would do. Uh, Mona, she's taking a few breaths and then she makes a decision, crumples up that speech. Or maybe this is all an act and that I was just all this, for show. I have done this before where I've been in a thing, in a public thing where I've had to give prepared words and I have literally nonsense written on a piece of paper that I crumble up for effect. Now oh, look at you. I've seriously done this. And if you're listening... This is a power move. You should do it. Mona says, I thought I could do this, but I can't. I've been listening to my friends, how they've managed to forgive Charlotte. Uh, just a sad pang there when you realize that Mona still thinks of the liars as her friends, mm-hmm. even though they're never, ever nice to her. Mm-hmm. She's like, oh, they're my friends. Yeah. How they managed to forgive Charlotte. She says, I wish I could hate her, but I can't. I can't because I know what she went through. I was in Radley Sanitarium. I was also A. I was there for months. She didn't say that. Uh, Charlotte was there for years and years. Being in that place is what twisted her all out of shape. And Allie looks like she's this close to making Monison happen right now. Well, that, but also there's something, there's something else that there's something I, I, I like, like cautious. Allison, well, I think Allison gets Mona. So she knows there's an angle being played mm-hmm. here. I, I kind of got a little bit of like Allison would slice up Mona and like serve her in sandwiches right now if she could. Yeah, Mona says, let her out, let her go home. That's all any of us want, is to have a home. She's getting tearful. She's like, I'm sorry. She gets up and leaves, and everyone's just like, huh, interesting. And then, in a surprise, Emily gets back on the stand, and she's like, your honor, I want to amend something for the record. Mona said we were friends? (laughs) Fuck that. (laughs) Fuck that. (laughs) The court does not agree. Uh, show show me we're excited that we were friends mm-hmm. poor mona that's all she wants is to be friends with the liars yeah. uh, later at the radley spencer and her tulpa emily are getting some drinks on the veranda there mm. emily appears to be drinking like scotch or something spencer's got some red wine emily says you okay with this and spencer kind of looks around the place and shrugs She's like it's a little bit strange <laughs> emily says we can go somewhere else when they get here and spencer says no if you're gonna chase away the demons you have to go to where the demons are she sips her wine, Emily smiles, and Emily says, you know who I thought was going to walk into that hearing room? Spence is like, who? And Emily says, Sarah Harvey. You have a type, Emily. You definitely <laughs> have a type, and that type is crazy. Spence says, they said she wouldn't be there. And Emily says, but what if she did show up? We That's tell her all our little white lies, and oh, she good, walks oh, can in. I, can I, can I, sorry, can I? Oh, sure. We tell all of our little white lies, and in she walks in. These bitches are lying, Your Honor. Want to <laughs> know what they're really like? Let me show you what they did to me. And then she shows everybody. What well, the fuck did they do to our beloved shower? I know. Seemingly, like, before they made it to the roof? Yeah. To talk like, Charlotte down? Like, when did this go down? After Emily knocked her the fuck out. And then, like, what? Did Emily, like, pick up a machete and been like, I want her hands? <laughs> That's exactly what happened. <laughs> Getting that theory out early. Uh, so their phones <laughs> beep. 
it's a text from Allie, and they do the kind of Sherlock style overlaid on screen yeah. text uh, rather than show us the phone. It says, M. Han, Spence, Aria, great news. And Spencer says, so that's that. Emily says, Judge says Charlotte can come home. Spence says, thanks for your help, Allie. And she sets the phone down, just, you know, disgusted, basically. And they're just mm-hmm. stewing. And then Arya and her other half, Hannah, show up. They've got their phones. And Hannah's like, did you guys see? And he's yeah. like, we saw. You know, the only change I would have made to this, almost on a joking level, but but to fit, you know, our particular filter, is I would have had this scene initially be with Spencer and Arya. Mm, yeah, I can see that. And, and then Emily and Hannah walk in, <laughs> being like, did you see? <laughs> yeah. That works. Yeah. I mean, the great thing about the theory is that it always works somehow. Yeah. <laughs> Just wait. Wait a little bit longer. It'll make sense. Yeah. So Arya's a little downcast, and Hannah puts a hand on her shoulder and says, everyone say hello to the only honest woman in town. And Arya's like, sorry. Pause to spit out your drink. <laughs> yeah. Sorry for the dress I just ruined when you spit out that drink. Emily says, no, we're sorry. Spencer says, you're small, but you are mighty. She raises a glass and she says, you put all of us to shame. To Team Sparia. What did she say back in season two that was very similar? You're little, but you're big. That's right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So so they she raises her glass to Arya. And I'm pretty sure she cuts away before we see Spencer take that sip. But um, Hannah's like, all right, everyone, turn your phones off. Not silent. Not vibrate. Off. And Spencer's like, I can't turn my phone all the way off. So Hannah's like, Spencer, one of the life-saving pieces of information I've learned is that these things actually have an off button. And Arya... Lucy Hale does that great <laughs> point and like finger wag in her face. Do it, Spencer. Power of the Shusher compels you. How can you resist that? You can't. Spencer gives it. She's like, okay. And Hannah's like beaming and she, she pronounces that the coven of the sacred cocktails is now in session. That she throws up her own finger, mimicking the Shusher, getting the bartender to her attention. LOL. The coven of the sacred cocktails is 1000% more interesting than the Yaya sisterhood of traveling pants. I'm still going to give the edge to the brotherhood of ex-boyfriends, though. Over the coven of sacred cocktails? Yeah, I just feel like it rolls off the tongue better. Just saying. <laughs> so meanwhile, Allie is at home. There's a big vase full of uh, lavender and purple roses on the table. Yeah. That will be important later. Uh, she's got a fresh plate of cookies she's setting out. She's in some sort of teal bathrobe dress thing going on. Lots of eyeliner. Um, yeah, I forgot to mention earlier, like, even when she's teaching, she's got, like, the raccoon eyes. Um She's so eager for Charlotte to come home. And then she hears a car outside and she runs to the door. What what do we make of Allie? Like, is this just who she is now? Is- I am looking at this episode the way I look at every locked room mystery. Where I feel <laughs> yeah. like, do not believe the visual information that you're necessarily be given, being given. So well, she says, like, like, like you pointed out, the flowers are here. Mm-hmm. Watch where they end up. I just keep wondering, is is she ever going to show that side of her that survived on the run for two years and invaded people's dreams to steal pills again? I mean, I guess there's something poetic about the the mean girl becoming the reformed, like, stay-at-home teacher type person. Um, I don't know. I miss Courtney. Uh, So we go back to the Radley. The Liars have prime. This place is like 75% swanky bar and only 25% swanky gimmicky hotel ghost tour it's yeah. like there's like there's a bar in like every room of this hotel <laughs> there's there's not a like a like a foot you can enter where you don't get like alcohol i feel like there's alcohol like on the back of the stall doors in the men's room because they're old enough to drink yeah. 
Not that it ever stopped them before. Yeah, the liars have a new liars nook. Um, they have like a couch and two chairs in front of the bar. This is their central perk. Um, I wish. I wish this is where they would convene. Yeah. Arya, Arya and Spencer in the chairs on the wings there with mm-hmm. uh, Hannah and Emily on the couch in the middle. Mm-hmm. Spencer says, you know, if he didn't know this place, what this place was, you'd never know what this place was. Ari says, said the real estate agent showing you around the house on Haunted Hill. Of course, Ari would drop a casual reference to a 1959 Vincent Price movie. <laughs> but Spencer's a fun drunk. Oh, yeah. She's, uh, she's a happy drunk. She says, I miss your faces. You guys have such excellent faces. She's the I love you drunk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They all laugh. And Emily's like, thank you. And Hannah says, well, we should plan on seeing each other more often. And Arya is just like, yes, but not here. <laughs> like, oh, go on, Arya. Future Arya is amazing. Hannah says, ugh, we can make a list of beautiful cities and go to each one of them. And Emily says, and that can get expensive. So, in hmm. case you missed it, I'm poor. Well, maybe. Is it the money or is it the traveling? You know, I don't you know. Think, you think Emily's like on a no-fly list? Maybe she can't leave the country. <laughs> Spencer says Paris, Rome, Madrid, Rio. We can party in every one of them. And Allie and Charlotte can sit in that big, ugly house and they can bake cookies. Damn. Sick burn, Spencer. <laughs> uh, letting, the, letting the claws out. Yeah. Yeah, they, uh, they've got some thoughts on whatever what happened to Allie in those five years. So. Where's your minivan, bitch? <laughs> Anna grabs the drinks menu and says, you think this pl- place like this, they'd have special drinks? And Hannah's like, what kind of special drinks? Or, I'm sorry, Emily says that. And then Hannah says, we're sitting in a bar in what used to be a squirrel factory. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> but no, like, an electroshock margarita. And Harry's like, manic depressive Mai Tai. And they're all theory. like, mental illness. LOLOL. Yeah, theory. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like <laughs> I would really like to hear Troyan's commentary in this episode. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Spencer says, you guys are seriously lacking any good taste. And maybe there it is. <laughs> yeah. That's why I love you so much. I love each one of you. Uh, and they're all laughing at drunk Spencer. And Ari says, Spencer loves us. And he's like, so I've heard. Drunk Marco Sparks is like, I fucking love this scene. <laughs> and it says, hey, uh, can we get another bipolar martini from my friend over here? And they giggle some more and they're getting a drink on. Ah. <sighs> I just, who doesn't want to go drinking at the Liars over some real pain? Um, so then we get an amazingly interesting kind of shot of, like, sort of shots like Main Street Rosewood at, like, at night, empty. Get the, it looks like the vertigo effect going down one street. Um, we hear oh, a train. Soon. Yeah, we hear a train in the distance. The train sound effect, always an omen of trouble coming this way in TV and film. Yeah, I know, it's, we're, it's late at night, basically. Like, there's no one out. Streets are empty. Mm. Back to the Lions with Riley. They're tying one on, seemingly the last call. Mm. There, it's that point of the night where you're basically weary from all the drinking and emoting and laughing. Mm-hmm. Um, we see the waitress's hand as she sets down their bill, and Arya sits up. Last call in Rosewood. You, what do you think their tab is? Like, well, I, I want to, I want to run my, uh, my head in a minute. But uh, Emily's just like, can we just go someplace and dance? And Dance Hannah's party like, Rosewood. Yeah, that's why God invented the minibar. I'm going back to my suite. Tis but the crank of the evening. LOL. Um, <laughs> Emily reaches in her purse and Hannah's like stops. And she's like, hey, don't. My mom runs this joint. She picks up the bill and she starts writing something. 20 bucks says that she's just writing, my mom runs this joint <laughs> on the bill. 
<laughs> like it. Yeah. Well, I mean, what are you looking at? Like 10 bucks a drink minimum, probably, right? You and I have been out with our friend who wants to impress us and impress the bartender for no reason. Mm-hmm. And what seems like a few drinks turns into like a $300 tab. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go near 400 Maybe. I guess it depends on what they're also, ordering. Also, hotel bar prices. I know. That's what I'm saying. It's 10 bucks a drink minimum. If they're just getting well drinks, maybe it's not that much. But mm. uh, So, yeah. Last call in Rosewood. Emily wants a dance party Rosewood. <laughs> Manic depressive Mai Tai. Our prices are crazy. <laughs> uh, horrible. Spencer says, you guys want to hear something funny? And Emily says, I'd love to hear something funny. And Spencer says, I thought it wouldn't matter what we said to the judge because I thought they'd never let her out. Because, <laughs> of course, Spencer's idea of comedy is gallows humor. Yeah, yeah. And Harry is just staring into the abyss right now. And Spencer says, I thought that we could just lie for Allie one more time and it wouldn't matter. But it did. They let A out. And she's just laughing at the horror of it. And Ari says, wouldn't it just be the biggest cosmic joke ever if Charlotte gets to live happily ever after? And Emily says, if she can do it, so can we. And she raises her glass and she says, a toast to Charlotte. Spencer says, to Charlotte, Hannah, to Charlotte. Arya does not join in on that. Uh, They all clink glasses, though. And they smile and they're drinking. It's girl time. The camera slowly pulls up to ominously reveal a hotel security camera. is, you know, there like it would be in any hotel. (laughs) Just letting you know that this is being filmed. Classic PLL, you're always being watched. I think Mm -hmm. we know from just the trailer. (coughs) getting a little broken up there (coughs) we know from the trailer that uh that camera is going to come into play because it's going to witness some ezria you all right there sorry wrong pipe Hmm. aria found me um yeah but like you know from the trailer ezra but like remember all those weird shots like season one and two where it's just like the camera would drift slightly into a doorway. Oh, I love that. I, I wish they brought that back a little. I love that visual style. But what I love here, too, is beyond the fact that this is going to be an upcoming plot point of some kind, it's like, this is also the world we live in. Mm-hmm. You know, like this kind of voyeuristic security. I don't know. Anyway, it's interesting to me. <clears throat> so after the commercial one, Hannah Sweet, uh, it's the next day, it's morning. Door yeah, open. they are hungover as fuck. Yeah. Uh, we see they, they, they took you know, apart you the... You know this feels. You yeah. know this feels. They took apart the mini bar. There's a lot of empty bottles and some peanuts. Uh, Ari and Spencer are kind of end-to-end sleeping on the couches. Mm-hmm. In the background, we see Emily is asleep on one side of the bed because Hannah has vacated the other side. She's very quietly entering with some ice. Well, the the blocking, it's not a direct quote, but it's an interesting variation on on the barn and the pilot, Spencer's Mm -hmm. great room in 301. I mean, obviously, it's five years later. The girls have stepped it up a little bit. They're getting fucking hammer drunk. Still in their dresses, because that's how you do it. Yeah, yeah. Um, So Hannah's trying to, you know, deal with some ice. This wakes up Spencer, who immediately just, like, moans and, like, holds her head. Yeah. Uh, Spence gets up and she goes over to Hannah and they're just kind of commiserating with their ice water. And Hannah says, why can't they make quiet ice cubes mm-hmm. here? Hydrate. And she hands her like a $10 bottle of water. Well, Fiji water without showing the label. Yeah. Spencer <laughs> is just nice, like squinty hungover eyes. Just a, a great, great, you know, physical acting there. Mm. And she says, thanks. And she kind of points at Hannah's ring and smiles. And Hannah says, are you going to see Toby? Spencer says, I already did. He's building a house. 
<laughs> I love the delivery of that line. Hannah's poor, hungover brain cannot just like she not come compute this nonsense. She's mm-hmm. just like he's building a house with tools by himself. And Spencer's just like, "LOL, I know." Yup. <laughs> and it's like, "Wow." Spencer says, "Yeah, wow, indeed." All I got was a chair and some lucky girls getting an entire house. All of that line. I don't think there's like any real jealousy there. It's just kind of like ennui about your ex. Yeah. Um, I mean, well, you know, sometimes you do the breaking. Sometimes you do the leaving mm-hmm. and you're still bitter about wherever the person goes. It's just it's just like I'm allowed. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, um, telephone rings. This wakes up Aria, who's alert, <laughs> crazed. And Hannah's like looking around confused. Yeah. Well, I mean, let's just say right now, Hannah's feels to me like one of the most mature of the liars. Well, she's definitely adopted an an air of uh, sophistication, right. at least. I mean, I've seen various other people say that they think she's maybe, you know, a little too, too Hannah season one-ish, you know, a little too up there. I don't know. I, I She's not as, like, carefree about the things she doesn't know. I mean, there's they're, they're not playing up any dumb Hannah moments. Mm-hmm. It's like, I think Hannah's... Uh, how did Jacob word it? Like when you're told that you're nothing, eventually you can become everything. And I think Hannah's kind of adopted a little bit of that. Like she's got a little bit of mama bear with her, yeah, her real self there. Like maybe sit. a little bit of snobbish this though, you know. I mean, the fucking rock on her finger, yeah. Yeah. Host nations for the uh, the wedding. So she just tells Arya, "Sit, stay, lol." And Spencer's like, "She's not a poodle. Yeah, she well, she's Spencer. adorable, like one." Yeah. Um, in the bedroom, Emily kind of wakes up, reaches for her purse, knocks it off the nightstand. It falls over. The contents spill out, including a pack of syringes. Yeah, which... there's a, there's a couple pill bottles and some. Uh, these are empty hypodermic needles. So, hmm. <laughs> Emily's like, "I have diabetes, guys. It's weird." Well, I mean, what the hell is she doing with those syringes? Yeah, I don't know. Um, also, just curiously, the uh, address on the like bag of syringes there, it's from Hermosa Beach, which is not exactly near La Jolla. That's in L.A. Uh, so, hmm, where did, where, like, did, is, I, I'm assuming she's like not even going to the Salk Institute. She's probably oh, no. like, bartending in L.A. or something. Yeah, like, no, not I, even I don't, close. <laughs> I don't and I, I'm guessing that nobody knows. I mean, yeah. maybe that's her big secret. Maybe there's, I mean, obviously the pills or something too, but I'm, I'm betting not even her mom knows that she's not at the Salk Institute. Probably didn't even graduate. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, anyway, Hannah answered the phone, you know, hello. And Allie's on the phone. She's like, Hannah, it's me. She's very distressed. And it says, hi, Allie. And Allie says, did Charlotte come to your hotel room last night? Emily, meanwhile, is like kind of scrambling to shove everything back into her purse, even though no one even noticed. And Hannah says, no, she didn't. What's wrong? And Allie says, I don't know where she is. And Hannah's like, you don't know where Charlotte is? And that wakes everyone up. Well, this is the great moment where in the background, there's Emily who like throws her head back having heard <laughs> this. And it's just like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The other liars are just like, what? Uh, and Allie says, Dr. Rollins brought her home last night. We talked for hours. She was so happy and grateful. We went to bed and this morning she was gone. Uh, Allie, we see she's at home. She's freaking out. Emily kind of joins the rest of the liars now. She's very confused. And Allie says, all of her stuff is here, but she isn't. Dr. Rollins wants me to call the police. And Hannah's like, yes, you should. <laughs> They've learned. And Allie says, can you call the others and come over? And Hannah says, yes, I will. But Allie, don't wait. Call the police. And Allie's like, please hurry. And so Hannah hangs up. She can't believe it. She says, Charlotte was there when they went to sleep and now she's gone. All the liars are just like, fuck. 
<laughs> Typical. Yeah. And then we cut to uh, some lavender rose petals on the grass as we kind of follow them over to a hand clutching the lavender rosebud there. Those are, you know, the rose from Allie's arrangement. You know who wants flowers when they're dead? Nobody. That's who. Yeah. Um, yeah, we get a nice shot then from that hand clutching the flower to the the corner, the two guys in the corners putting the blue tarp over the blonde woman's body on the grass. Well, it's the, the camera is pointed up as these two corners are like opening a tarp above it. It's an interesting angle. Yeah, It's a very stylistic. And that's when you then start to bring in the indistinct radio chatter from the police scanner. And it's like, you know exactly where you are <laughs> or what this is. And then we see Officer Toby and Detective Lorenzo Calderon are there. I guess well, he got start- the promotion. Yeah. I'm going to start calling these two Crockett and Tubbs. Sure. <laughs> so yeah. Toby, so, Toby yeah, covering, covering a body, obviously. Toby starts to fill us in on the start of this Law & Order episode. Dun-dun. Lo Sexton found her. He got here for morning service. He saw the door had been forced, checked the building, went to the bell tower, and saw the open shutter and looked down. The detective Instagram post is just like, do we know what time this happened? Toby's like, sprinklers are on a timer. Grass under the body is wet, but her clothes are dry. Puts it between 3 a.m. and first light. That's a fine detective work there, Oz, for Toby. Yeah, it sure is. Uh, Lorenzo's like, are you sure about the identification? Toby's like, hospital ID card. And I saw her face. It's Charlotte De Laurentiis. Oh, shit. Well, you know, the the way they present this is a little odd because we we never saw the body. We just saw like a, like a hand. You know, we never saw the face. And so you're like, well, is it? You know, and then later we're going to see the, the open casket. And it's like, yeah, it is. I don't know. It's a curious choice there. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Lorenzo, he grimaces, looks up at the church bell. Uh, yeah, freedom didn't last long. Well, and, and P.L.O. Sherlock on a bevy of Instagram posts made a mention, I think, of how you can't help but thinking about vertigo here, uh, which, of let's, course, is let's always Let's say great. that for the end. But yeah. Okay. yeah. Um, um, but I don't know. Uh, a little controversial here, I think you could say. Uh, any particular thoughts about that? About Charlotte, one of the most controversial aspects of PLO, <laughs> returning, not necessarily reformed, but free and then immediately dead. Yeah. 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 It's problematic, but I think, um, I don't know. I guess it's it's one of those nice things about social media. Basically, you know what's going to happen five months ago. Well, it's I mean, like, yeah. It's time to accept it. This was spoiled like days after the finale, if you were looking for it. Um, so it's it doesn't have the emotional impact it probably should have, I guess. Plus, you don't get a lot of Charlotte in this episode, mm-hmm. you know. Well, I, I I do wonder if if six A if that was like a season finale, and then they like had hiatus for three months, and then we're coming back to finish, to, you know, to like start the new five years forward after getting fan reaction. Mm-hmm. I don't think we get this plot line. I don't I don't think they anticipated the kind of the backlash about charlotte and kind of the, the way they treated the transgender character and i i wouldn't think they would fall through with this i don't know, could be wrong yeah um i mean i know you know obviously heather hogan r- writes a lot about this um she had a good post about kind of specifically in relation to kind of the negative tropes about transgender people on tv mm-hmm. and how they're all getting murdered um to me this is also just a broader trope about like basically any like you tend to get this, you know, befalling any character from a marginalized group that has kind of outlived their usefulness to the story. 
Mm. They, you know, they're tragically martyred and then the show doesn't really have to address the issue they represented anymore. Mm. Um, so I don't know. I mean, it's kind of like prove me wrong, PLL, because uh, otherwise it it's kind of just like you're playing in a sandbox of somebody else's misery. You know, it's like, well, that was convenient. And now we're just going to forget about it. Yeah. And Heather's been very good about pointing out that while it does feel like it's reinforcing a lot of those very negative stereotypes about transgender people. It's also showing something that's uncomfortably happening way too much in real life, which is that the death toll of transgender people is just going up and it's not getting reported on even on top of it. Um, yeah, it's, you know, it's one of those, like, do we need that reinforced in a TV episode? I guess. Right. Um, well, and, and, and it's uncomfortable because I think PLO for a lot of us has been a safe harbor because it's been a show that's been, for the most part, empowering for people who are typically marginalized by the rest of TV. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's one reason why, to to most of us, it was very shocking, some of the aspects of the transgender storyline. Um, and then, you know, separate from certain issues, I just love Cece. I'm so glad yeah. we were on game during the hiatus. Well, it's it's so narratively convenient, you know, this character who could answer lots of other questions is like, nope, they're dead now. So, yeah. I mean, I, I, I assume we're still going to be getting flashbacks with her. Uh, so we'll be able to fill in some of those blanks, but mm. yeah, I I just kind of wonder if uh, if this had been a hiatus between seasons type of situation, if if they would have went with the storyline. I don't know. We'll never know. Yeah, what what would have changed? I mean, if even if the storyline stuck, like would it have been presented differently? I'm curious. Well, I just, um, it it would be nice, I guess, if. I mean, number one, if they could even like say the word transgender on the show. Uh, number two, if they actually continued to involve charlotte in in some way other than just like the mystery of who killed her you know i I don't know how you do that maybe she had uh some some friends from the hospital they could bring in or something like that but i don't know well they do have one friend of hers they can bring in (laughs) yes they do yeah uh so anyway later on Allie's in bed in her room she's inconsolable her room is still pink like when she was a teenager. Thank God the, that creepy, fascinating French evil twins mo- sister like movie poster is still on the wall. Does she like live here alone now? Like I don't know. Well, we didn't talk I about. I'm just like assuming her dad is dead. I don't. Who knows? The the living room is definitely remodeled quite a bit. Uh, we saw mm, downstairs yeah. in those two quick moments. Um, yeah, I wonder. But I wonder though, is there still like envelopes of money hidden in this, that poster? <laughs> I hope so. Is there just like cash and like like firearms hidden in every every aspect of her home? Uh, yeah, so she's like on her side, just like inconsolable. Uh, Doctor Rollins and Emily are like kind of standing over her, watching. And Doctor Rollins is telling Emily like, "Stay up until she's fall asleep." And Emily's like, "I will." You know, are you all right? And Doctor Rollins says, "You know, if I thought there's any chance of Charlotte taking her own life, I I I, I never would have let her leave the hospital." Of course, Emily has to check in on this guy's feelings because well, because Emily. well, she's always been like the caretaker. I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he leaves. Also, oh. this is where I noticed that Dr. Rollins has basically a ginormous Elvis Presley, like, poofy wave of hair. I mean, it's like five inches off the top of his, like, scalp. I do think it's worth a mental note here that, although in within the show, you know, like, off screen, he may not be the first one to suggest this. But with on, you know, from what we see, he's the first one to suggest this is a suicide. Yeah. So, you know, keep well, that in mind. And I think to yeah 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 it's always about when you got your information and who from mm-hmm. how you saw it or what have you but also you will probably find I mean you can guess where this is going to go but you'll probably find that this was meant to look 
like she took her own life, unfortunately. Um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, he leaves. Al- Emily comes over to Allie's side, and Allie's just you know face is puffy, full of tears, mega cry face. Yeah, oh, it's no Arya cry face. Uh, but she reaches out for Emily's hand, and Emily holds it with both of hers. Hashtag Emerson, basically. Not like this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you, your fan fiction is dark. <laughs> And now we see a door opening. But but let's just say though, okay. I think that that you point out something in the credits, and there's this. I think they clearly would like you to start using certain like Emerson synapses in your brain again. They want to like send a little electricity that way. You know what I mean? I and mean, like especially the, when depending Alice- how bitter of a shipper you are, you will take that as you do. <laughs> Well, isn't that the nature of, of all shippers? And I don't mean this as an insult to shippers, but you're taking crumbs and turning them into a Thanksgiving meal, or as mm-hmm. as as Ezra would say, Christmas chicken. Like, <laughs> but like, yeah, the great moment there is, you know, Allison puts her hand on Emily's, and Emily's just like considering all that this means to her, and then puts her hand, you know, her other hand on top of Allison's as like a weird hand sandwich. But it's like she has to really consider it. And I think back to we talked about in the podcast. The rainy window prison phone call moment with mm, those two. Yeah. Um, so after the commercial, Hannah opens the door to her hotel suite and it's Caleb. Are, are we going to do Hastings Dinner Theater? <laughs> I don't know if we can just because that's so many like interjections here. Okay, uh, okay. Uh, but I love it. The door, the door opens. They see each other. They are both mid deep, like summoning up air size. You know, it's, what I mean? it's like bracing for impact, mouth agape, like. Oh, you know, and he's just like, "Hey," and she's like, "Hi, sorry. Um, I thought you were room service." He's like, "It's cool. I am. Here's the ten bottles of vodka flavored vodka you ordered. You got that French omelet right." Um, you know, I, I wonder if if you if you weren't paying attention to like that special that they aired, you didn't follow the social media. I guess you've put together by now that Hannah and Kayla had broken up, just from the the Jordan conversation and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, now you're getting it for real. Uh, and Spencer, Caleb, uh, he says, I'm afraid not. Spencer called me. She told me what happened. And the game in this scene is to watch Hannah's eye twitch every time Caleb mentions Spencer. <laughs> yes. And it's like, Spencer calls you? <laughs> Flames. <laughs> Side of my head. <laughs> uh, and he's just like, yeah, I saw her in Washington. I'm, uh, I'm actually thinking about working for her outfit. I was with her when she got the letter. Hmm. Lots of uh, kind of blinkering, a little bit of stuttering as he like works that explanation out. Definitely not totally true, <laughs> you know, just from the way he says it. But more mature Hannah is more fascinating to me. Well, she's little... just poker faced. Yeah, she's just like, huh. Yeah. Can I come in? Yeah. Thanks. And her brain is obviously elsewhere. And he walks in. She shuts the door behind him, and she's kind of collecting herself. She's like, "Why are you here?" Well, then he he looks back at her with this like reflex of a horror, like he's Bella Lugosi for a moment, like ugh, you know. And she's well, it's like, just like I don't know, maybe a little bit hurt. Yeah, and she's like, "Sorry, um, it's been a very wrong day. I didn't expect you to show up at my doorstep or anywhere else." And he's like, "Yeah, you uh, tell me about Charlotte, and uh, I don't know, maybe it was a conditioned reflex, but I thought it could help." Uh, and so she's like, well, I'm glad to know your, your reflexes still work. And like, well, no, the way she says that, she says, well, I'm glad to know your reflexes still work. Like she emphasis there on the your. Well, is it, is it, is it a subtle dig that he's registering? 
Well, what does that mean? It, it seems like she just kind of landed a blow. And he nods, and he's, like, feeling it, but he's, like, he's going to leave that alone. He's like, you okay? Do you think, like, do you think what they're going at is that the reveal that, like, Hannah can't have children? Is that what you're saying? I personally, I don't think you talked about going, the children before. I, I don't think they're going there at all. That is a popular theory that there was some sort of, like, pregnancy issue or, or something like that, or they lost a baby, or, or I don't know. I don't, I don't think they're going there at all, but we'll see. Uh, anyway, he's just like, you okay? And Hannah does a kind of sarcastic lip twist, and she sighs, and she's like, well, we came here to help Allie, and Charlotte killed herself. We could have just kept our mouths shut, and she would have been in a, still be in a nice, safe hospital. Instead, we have another funeral to get through. They're really internalizing all that, you know, Well, at least we, we look good in the always appropriate funeral attire that we carry with us everywhere. Yeah. And Caleb's just like, yeah, I thought I might stick around for that. Caleb always might stick around for stuff, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hannah says... Because he's Jack Reacher. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I'm a drifter with nothing to lose. <laughs> oh, shit, yeah. <laughs> uh, and she's just like, uh, well, my mom can set you up a room here if you want. And he's like, ah, no, that's okay. Actually, um, I'm staying in Spencer's barn, which <laughs> euphemism? Hey, I can't afford you. I'm not a hooker, then I definitely can't afford you. <laughs> no, the the line that I really want to hear Tyler Blackburn say is, just remember, you wanted this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he's staying in Spencer's barn, and he can't even make eye contact when he says that. Well, and she's doing the, uh, I heard that, but I am not responding to it. And mm -hmm. it's, like, it's like, uh, so how have you been? <laughs> <laughs> I've been okay. Are you still in New York? Yeah, I, I travel a lot more for the collection. Mm, still roadie for a bunch of dresses. Ooh, I think that's a sore subject. And she Whoa, says, no, I, I was like, oh, shit, Kayla, that's fucked up. But then she kind of smiles like, yeah, that's me. I mean, I you know, we'll have to see what drew them apart. I mean, you know, they're they're playing this all on multiple levels here. You know, it's like they're feeling each other out trying to to kind of keep the other from like noticing Mm. any impact they're having on each other i guess mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. and he's like yeah well if you need anything you know where to find me and i feel like i'm not batmaning this wink, enough nudge nudge yeah <laughs> you know where to find me uh, and hannah's like right and so he walks past her to the door and she says why didn't you call me before you came over and oh, i wasn't i wasn't sure that you would let me in Hannah says why why wouldn't i let you in we're still friends aren't we yeah of course we are. <laughs> oh, that just the awkwardness hanging in those. Well, those it's like there. is the implication on either one of their parts like, yeah, just friends. Also, <laughs> I I didn't get that so much as it like, I don't know. It's like they're both kind of like it, it. Hannah, she wants to know why he didn't call, and then he kind of like he's suggesting that like maybe there's there's still some animosity there and then she's like what what are you talking about we're still friends like kind of putting it back in his court you know i think what's what's really great about this scene in their performance is that you could read it a variety mm -hmm. of ways and that i got some fantastic tweets uh when i made just a few comments on the <laughs> on the internet uh like i remember like samantha ruler from the bustle podcast was just like if you're going to start shipping spaylet we're going to have a problem and i don't know that i would say that i'm shipping spaylet i don't want to say i'm shipping anything but uh what they're doing here 
is amazing to me. I don't think I actually want to see Caleb and Spencer together. I don't know if I want to test that boundary. Though I think if the show does it, I have faith in them to do it in a way that will that makes sense. Because I yeah. mean, it's not like it doesn't happen. In real well, I'll, I'll get to that in a bit. Um, just want to get through this the Spencer part of it. Uh, but yeah, there's a knock at the door. It's actual room service. Caleb lets him in. And him and Hannah kind of the awkwardly smile. He's going to go. And he's like, well, I'll talk to you later. So he leaves. And Hannah, she's kind of like contemplating the abyss here. And then she she looks down, rubbing her engagement ring. Seemingly not too happy about that ring. I don't know. Uh, or, what, or summoning power from it. I don't know. What? What are your thoughts on Jordan? Like, I, I know nothing about the character. I know uh, the the bustle I mean, girls assume he's like a huge like boat shoe wearing douchebag. But what what did you think, Sam and Kelsey? I <laughs> let me speak to you directly. Podcast mm-hmm. to podcast here. A guy named Jordan. Come on, get serious. I mean, do you think he's just gonna be like generic nice, bro? Is he secretly gonna be like one of the, like like Craig Kilborn in the in what was that the Wedding Crashers? Or am I thinking of a different movie? Was that um, Craig like Kilborn? the asshole boyfriend? Craig Kilborn yeah. was the one with Will Ferrell where they're like starting like the non-college frat. You're thinking right, right, of yeah. fucking Cooper. Yeah, Same I think thing, he's yeah. I think he's going to be some kind of Prince Caspian like, you know, when I was in the Hamptons last. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Is is Hannah just going to be like stuck with him cuz he's rich or something and like he He's like the ideal match, except for the fact that he's a huge raging douchebag. I don't know. We'll have I, to I don't know if guy. that would go that angle, because that implies more to me that like uh, whenever you say match, I always think like you're marrying the families. Oh, that's exactly not not so much. She's marrying his family, not so much the other way around, I guess, is kind of what I'm well, wondering. I, what I could see very well being is that he's like Claudia's nephew. Hmm. That'd be interesting. Yeah. I just wonder if it like how into it. How, how into him is she? Is she super into him or is it more like she wants to be because it's like, you know, he's like a rich, you know, attractive guy. Why wouldn't she be type of thing? You know, well, and I think the thing will be, you know, going going backwards. It's not just something with Caleb that broke them up. It's possibly going to be something about Hannah feels about herself hmm. that helped break them up. And so I imagine if you're running away from that aspect of yourself or just trying not to deal with it, you might throw yourself a little extra into the next boat shoes wearing Prince Caspian guy named Jordan. I really want to apologize if we get a, like a bevy of like uh, bro listeners named Jordan who are just like, hey, hey. Yeah, sorry. To, to all the Jordans out there, at least your name's not Liam. And vice versa. Is is it worse? I don't know. No. I do not know. You got you got the Liam Gallagher thing, you know. I think Liam Gallagher is probably a sore spot for all the Liams in the world, right? What are we going to do about Oasis? <laughs> <laughs> so down in the lobby, Caleb walks out of the elevator, and then Spencer herself walks up to him and she says, "How was it?" He says, "Complicated." Uh, the hopeful part- high five. Yeah, the hopeful part of me wants to think that, that was just for us. I I choose to believe that that is a shadow. I would like to think that you know, <laughs> interior writers' room. <laughs> They're just like you know those two assholes <laughs> who do the podcast. <laughs> Let's throw those jerks a bone. <laughs> Spencer says, "Yeah, that's why I wanted to stay down here." And Caleb's just like, "Thanks for calling me. I appreciate it." Spencer says, "I'm really glad that you're here. 
they smile with the kind of smile that's bristling with electricity of two people who have either had a they've either fucked one time and it got weird after and they're dealing with it or there is a long overdue burst of sexual comet craziness in their future or they're just friends you know it's like it's right on that edge there where you, it's you know or, it's it's what do you want to read into it it could be one of those like in the mood for love things where it's like they know it would be goddamn amazing, but they can't do it because of Hannah, because of Toby. Otherwise, like I just want Ezra to burst in and be like, other, like trees. Yeah, I just want Ezra to burst in and just be like, "Are you fucking or what? Come on!" <laughs> and then he punches a wall. Mm-hmm. Caleb's like, "You all right, buddy?" And Ezra's like, "No, take me to the hospital. I broke my hand, yeah. my writing hand. I actually hate you, you know." Stop showing up to our fucking podcast. <laughs> Yeah, it's oh. like uh, it's a uh, it's kind of strange what they did to this place, huh? Spencer <laughs> says, "Yeah, I think it's cultural amnesia." Caleb's like, "Yeah, well, people get do overs. Why shouldn't buildings?" And she nods, and they walk out of the rally in perfect sync. Like, watch this again if like you didn't see it the first time. Not 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 like a couple. They walk out with their steps perfectly hypnotically synchronized. She she kind of, it's almost like a dance the way he steps forward and she steps back at the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They turn it's, in unison. Like it's it's fascinating. Like Fred and Ginger. But my my point is, take if you actually know like a lovey dovey couple and watch them when they don't realize you're watching. Watch them at the times when they're not holding hands or kissing or doing the usual PDA. There's a rhythm. There's a sync, and that's how these two move. Oh, there's no way this wasn't intentional. Intentional. You know, I mean, it, I don't know who knows, you know, whose idea it was necessarily, but like they they wanted to do this like that. You, you, you don't just do that by mistake. Or so, if you do. Yeah. Damn. Mm. Um, Spencer's fashion, the sweater and the shirt are fine. It's the kind of track pants or whatever that she's wearing that make it so interesting to me. Oh, I didn't notice. They're, they're basically like Adidas, like swish pants. Mm. You mean Adidas? Whatever. Okay. Um, yeah, not that I think Spencer like slums of Adidas wish fans, but still. Yeah. So, uh, up thoughts. Uh, Hannah seems oblivious. It's funny because we always talk before, like, it's like, well, theoretically, maybe they could get together if Hannah gave them their blessing and whatnot. That's definitely not happening. Um, I wouldn't say oblivious. Well, not, I, I mean, oblivious that, like, it's not like she knows it, like, this wasn't like prior. cleared or anything, yeah, prior, you know? Prior. Yeah. Um, if Spencer and him were still hooking up, why would she want Caleb to go see her? I guess I don't know. Like it, it's well, like there's obviously still some romantic tension between Caleb and Hannah, and so it it seems doubly weird that Spencer would be like, "Yeah, I'll, I'll you know I'll take you over there so you can see her." Is it? I mean, I don't I don't necessarily get that because I think I guess I could make the argument for it. For the, the part of Spencer that's like, I know Hannah was a huge part of your life. She helped you find a certain kind of self-confidence and you're worried about her even though we're together. By all means, go check on her. I, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go, you know, give five minutes to a Toby. So mm-hmm. he's he's building a house in the middle of the woods and wants to buy me a like, I mean, it. maybe they're kind of trying to slowly lay the groundwork to like announcing that they're an item, you know, by... You know, making sure to visit the ex and kind of taking the temperature and whatnot. I don't know. Caleb, you were my bro. You were my brother. 
you were supposed to bring balance to the force, and if now you're sleeping with my ex-girlfriend, <laughs> I will punch you in the face in a kitchen. Then you are lost. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I don't know how to feel about it. I mean, I, my concern is always for the the Spencer Hannah relationship. I yeah. it seems like if they were like doing this behind her back, and Hannah's gonna get mad, and like I don't know how her and Spencer stay friends after that. Right. Right. Um. So on that, like, you know, I don't want that to happen. I'm not totally opposed to the idea of them. I mean, they've always had chemistry mm-hmm. and they've always like you can tell the show's always kind of like to put them together. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's kind of like friends of friends. They end up hooking up. I mean, it it could just it's, be one of those things where like it happened when they met up one time and now it's just a little weird between them and it's maybe the it keeps happening again of the show. Friends. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> But yeah, I mean the the coupling itself does not bother me, and it's not like I rank oh oh Halo was so much better than Spaylib or whatever. But yeah, it's the Spencer and Hannah relationship. I have no problem though with what they're doing here in this episode because I think this is interesting, and I think I think it's it's almost better TV if the hairs stand up on your neck without <laughs> outright offending you. you well, it's I mean? funny. I know some people are like, oh, not a lot happened in this episode. I kind of like, though, that they're they're taking it slowly and really deliberately. Like, I guess going in, I figured, like, this would all be on the table by the end of the episode. You know, like, A would be back and you'd know, like, Spencer and Caleb were an item and all that. But no, they're they're leaving it hanging there. It's kind of like, and they, they're very coy about it. I mean, you could say everything in this episode is obviously hinting that they're together. Mm-hmm. Or you could say it's so obviously hinting they're together that it's a misdirection to something else. And I think I think if they ever go spell up, I think the ultimate conversation between Hannah and Spencer will probably be, you know, somewhat cordial or whatever, compared to I could very well see Toby and Caleb fighting with lightsabers in front of a volcano. I don't know. It's hard not to think that Hannah would feel a little betrayed, especially oh, because I think she still has feelings for Caleb. Well, I mean, he's Caleb, and the other mm-hmm. guy is named Jordan. Yeah. You can't argue with that. You just can't. Um, I wonder if we can squeeze 20 more minutes out of this conversation. I'm sure we could. <laughs> we may want to hurry up, though. It's two hours already. So we're going to cut to poor Charlotte. She's in her casket, showing off all that cleavage in a blue dress. Now, it's funny you pointed this out earlier. I mean, again, the rules of your of your impossible crime, your law mm-hmm. mystery. This is clearly Charlotte De Laurentiis. You do not know who was under that tarp. I mean, why would there be a difference? I guess I don't know. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, some switcheries and whatnot. Um, so people pointed out that like there's no Y cut from the autopsy on her. I guess I mean I don't know. Depends on what kind of autopsy they did. Maybe it's there and the dress is covering it up. I don't know. Could That's... mean could mean something. Could mean nothing. Probably there, probably there not is an important detail. Can um, mortuary staff do remarkable things with makeup? So I hear from six feet under. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's the kind of realism I don't necessarily need to see. Yeah. Uh, so My heart's already broken because Charlotte's dead. Yeah. <laughs> don't show me where they had removed her heart in an autopsy. You bastards. And I mean, we, we're at that tiny little Rosewood church that if, I don't even know if Pastor Ted's still officiating this nonsense. Oh, I hope not. I hope he died, too. I hope him and Kendall Arantis like, got hit by train or something. Uh, so <laughs> we're having a drink at a, at a Margaritaville one day. Mm hmm. And then a train came right through the Margaritaville and killed him. Yeah. Or a Dave and Buster's. <laughs> or a Guy Fieri restaurant. That's where they would go, right? At Johnny Garlic's. 
Yeah. <laughs> so Allie and Dr. Rollins, this dude, suspiciously present constantly. Uh, he, they're over on the left side there. On the other side, the liars have their their usual pew for funerals. <laughs> <laughs> Just like roped off with their name on it. Uh, I feel like Hannah's going to reach under and find like her old flask. <laughs> yeah. And they're in their classic, you know, like funeral bondage wear formal dresses. Mm-hmm. Um, in the back, you see Mona's in the very back. Just chilling. Uh, Caleb got stuck sitting next to Ezra back there. I feel like Caleb's like, of all the seats in this fucking church, you sit right here. Why do you keep doing that? Well, you, you know, he me. You come sit next to me. I don't. We're not friends, man. No, this is what happened. Ezra is already there, and Caleb walked in, and Ezra is immediately like, "Caleb, hey, I got your seat." And he's just like, "Uh." I would like. To I wish I wasn't so damn polite. Side note: Listener, talking about yourself. You know our friend Steve. Mm-hmm. That's basically how he and I became friends. <laughs> yeah, in high school, he I just started screaming seat. on the first day of a class. Hey, I saved you a seat. I had never actually met him before that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's um, a that's a networking move. Yeah. <laughs> Allison, Twenty minutes in the car station. Hey, what was your name again? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, I do that at work when uh, it's people getting too chummy. I call them by the wrong name. Uh, yeah. So Allison's looking kind of devastated. The liars look straight up bored. <laughs> yeah, they're just like, uh, except for Emily, who's Feeling sad, probably just because she's sad for Allie. Wondering why she can't sit by her. Uh, I mean, I I can't really fault the liars not for having a ton of remorse about Charlotte, just because, you know. I'm sure it's a confusing time. Um, Mona looks like she's about to evaporate into a puddle of broken sadness. Um, You really see, I think more even than Allison, you really see like how conflicted mona is about everything that's going on here um and then speaking of mona the church doors open mona sees whoever's about to walk in first and is shocked shocked because it (laughs) is sarah fucking harvey bitches i'm back yeah show harvey walking in in like a very tight black dress with a black veil on she has these weird gloves on her hands probably because the liars cut them off and those are like prosthetics her uh, hands. Look at her hand. First of all, she walks. We were doing this kind of like sexy catwalk Frankenstein walk that she does. Like also, her arms are always kind of out in front of her. Her hands never move. Well, and she's got like a seeing eye bro, like helping her to receive. Who Who is this guy? Who knows? Well, I know I read something online where somebody was like, I thought she was blind at first, but she <laughs> keeps staring directly at people. So I don't know. <laughs> Uh, that would just be just the kind of creepy thing Shower Harvey would do. Yeah. And the liars like, what if she's deaf? Arya turns around and she sees her and she's like, this isn't happening. And the liars do their like classic head turn. Sarah's like walking in slow motion. It's obviously like a replay of the Jenna thing here. Yeah. Um, Ezra's like, who's that? Sarah sits down. She pulls the veil back somehow without moving her hands at all. Uh, and she looks over at the liars who all quickly look away. And I, she looks like the Terminator. Like, just like the yes, way she just like stares at them. She looks like a Terminator reboot that was mm-hmm. so amazing that they changed the history. And I never saw the movie, therefore. <laughs> I had the scariest, weirdest boner from the scene. <laughs> she is so larger than life and gothic and terrifying. I mean, I think this is a look that suits Sarah Harvey. Just well, full on weird. Yeah, yeah, she's that. I think that's the thing for people who can't stand her weirdness from before and hated it. 
she's so bizarre that it's like the 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 commute to this kind of evil well she doesn't have to pretend to be like innocent anymore you know? right right she's full-on supervillain but she's picking up all of that power that jenna you know eventually just like let go when she tried to have a normal life away from the liars it's <laughs> it's amazing she's a supervillain <laughs> Yeah, so then we uh, cut to the door of the hearse closing outside. The liars are out in front of the church, and they just do a lot of people watching here. Uh, yeah. We see behind them, well, Allie they're also and... the first people out, too. Oh, yeah, they got the fuck out of there. Uh, Allie and Dr. Rollins, once again together, they come out and uh, take off together. Well, this is the first time I noticed that, uh, as usual, of all the liars' outfits, it's Hannah's that I'm like, really? <laughs> At a funeral? Because you look like a sexy vampire here. Oh, Hannah, she knows how to bring it to a funeral. Yeah. Yeah. Allie and Dr. Rollins get in a town car together. It's mm-hmm. like, are you guys already a couple? I don't know. Their romance. I, I, uh, I, I hope there's something interesting about the romance other than it's just going to feel really weird if like they cut to this like sappy like, oh, you know, two people brought together by a trauma and we're falling in love. Or, like all this like cool liar shit's going on and we have to keep coming back to that. Well, also... You know, but the other alternative that I don't want is for like Allison to be like, you guys, I was so lost when Charlotte died and like he fixed me. I don't want to ever hear Allison say that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I would rather I, he, I would rather watch her become just a boring fuddy duddy, like like suburban person than, I don't know, somebody who's fixed by a guy of hair that big. Yeah. So uh, they they get in a car and they take off. Uh, we see Ezra and Caleb walk out. Ezra takes off. Ezra just walks off. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Caleb comes over, puts an arm on Spencer's shoulder. Yes, he touches he touches her lower back. No, that, that's more of a shoulder. I Is think. it a shoulder? Yeah. Okay. And he's like, I'm gonna grab the car. And that's very much like a kind of little couple thing, though. You know, like mm-hmm. grab the car. Spencer says, okay. Hmm, and Hannah's just like she's facing in that direction and somehow not looking at the two of them. Oh, know? she knows. Yeah, she knows better than we do. Yeah, uh, and then Mona comes hurrying out right afterwards, and she she's looking behind her at Sarah Harvey. She's kind of in a rush, and she just like marches away very quickly. Obviously, you know, perturbed. We don't know what she's up to. And then there's Shower getting led by her seeing eye dog bro. Uh, and just has this like weird cold Terminator look on her face as she like holds her arms out weirdly with her fake hands. Yes. Well, so we we keep joking fake hands. I think we're both probably assuming they're like scarred hands, like burned. Like maybe he like they punched Sarah Harvey out, and they're like, "This bitch is never laying hands on me again." And then they like shoved them into like some of those like barrels of acid that were there or something, you know. <laughs> Deleted like the scene. explosive perils. Deleted scene from Six Tennis. Emily just wants to wear a necklace of hands. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the hell. I mean, like, did she like touch a radiator after she got knocked out and her hands <laughs> got burned? Up? You know, and if she has burned, scarred hands, like, wasn't there a season of Twenty Four where Jack had like weird hands or something? Yeah, I mean, I gotta say the gloves are awful. They're like kind of like grayish blue blah like. Or they're, they're hideous. Like you could, you'd think she'd have like some black gloves on or something, like something to go with the ensemble. Well, you have there. to wonder though: is it because you're supposed to visually make a note of her hands, even if you don't know why you did? I but think if so. She, yeah. If she does have some kind of gross hand situation, invariably you're going to get that revealed to you because, as Emily said, 
she could show up she could show the world mm-hmm. what she did to her and then on my my freak is my nightmare is that she's then gonna like caress somebody's cheek with her gross hand she's just gonna like take her hand off because it's like a prosthetic i think so that's what's take her hand off and throw it at one of them <laughs> <laughs> rocket fist yes so rocket uh go oh my yeah. god that just improves her harvey even more if that's possible um yeah. So right before she gets in the car, she just stops like the term, like the like well, the, the T the T five million here. A little bit of dialogue. Arya says, What is she doing here? And Emily says, making sure that Charlotte's really dead. And Spencer says, Really and most sincerely dead. Oh, all is there to drop the choice quote. Yeah, quoting the munchkin from the Wizard of Oz who pronounced the wizard Wicked Witch of the East really most sincerely dead. Uh but the look that she gets them. There's like a demented smile yeah. that'll haunt your nightmares. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. it's just like, let's go. Uh, so they <laughs> walk off all my fan fiction begins <laughs> yeah shower's gonna get driven away by her like weird manservant mm-hmm. and uh they're the liars take off and then detective lorenzo intercepts them and the liars like, are like we saw your instagram post lorenzo you can't sit with us <laughs> he says hello and he's like lorenzo and sarah harvey you see is driving away now just you know make a mental note of that hannah says how are you and lorenzo says all right under the circumstances I was wondering what your plans are for the next couple of days if you're going to stay in Rosewood. And Emily says, why? And Lorenzo says, it'd make it easier if you stayed. And Spencer says, make what easier? And Lorenzo says, we have the autopsy report on Charlotte de Laurentiis. Charlotte was dead when she was thrown from the bell tower. And Ari's like, thrown? And it's like, she was murdered? And Lorenzo says, the death's been ruled a homicide, yeah. And it's like, motherfucker! Yeah, they all kind of take this in. And Lorenzo just says, you'll get a call. I love the way he plays this, actually. I mean, I know a lot of people hate the actor, but I really like the way he plays this. It's basically like, you guys know the drill here. Yeah. You know, not your first rodeo. You'll get a call. Stay in town. He's like, <laughs> I don't uh, need to say anymore. Ladies, before this meeting, I, uh, I looked at your files. Your files are one whole room. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like the memorial evidence room in the Rosewood Police Station. You know, I I don't I don't think Tanner's coming back, and for everyone else who doesn't like her, that, but like I I miss her. Like I want Roma Mafia to get back in the mix somehow. <laughs> I wonder if we'll see her again. I guess we'll see. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, we'll get a call. He takes off, and Arya's like, "Was someone waiting for Charlotte to get released so they can kill her?" Spencer's like, "Don't go there." And Hannah's like, "Bitch, Spencer, we lived there for a long time. It's not like it's a long commute." Mm-hmm. And then we kind of hear the tinkling piano of Crazy by Patsy Cline start to play. That's Why don't Patsy Cline make no more records? Because she did. Don't that make you sad? Had time to get over it. We must have done that like four times on this podcast already. Deal with um, it. So Spencer looks up at the tower, the bell tower above them, kind of neat, you know, shot looking up. And Emily says, I want to go home. And Spencer says, we are home. I love that. I love that line. It's just fatalist Spencer. I wish that we'd actually got to see her face as she delivers the line, just because it's such a such a juicy line. We are home, you know. It's like this is their life. It never it never goes away for good. Uh, And then nearby, we get POV from inside of a dark car, watching the liars. And then the window rolls up, and the car drives off. Presumably, this is you know the murder, the new A, what whatever you know, or it's Lucas. Oh, God. So, Vertigo is your favorite movie. Do you have any thoughts about what happened here? Uh, I do because a lot of the themes of Vertigo so perfectly align with PLL. You have obsession. 
you have the issues of identity, both with ghosts from the past that can cast long, controlling spells over the present and the people in it, but also the idea that you could recreate somebody in somebody else, that you could so overwrite their personality and their their essential identity with with something else mm-hmm. that the, that the outside could could dominate the inside of a person. Well, more more literally, what we're driving at here, spoilers for Vertigo, is that. Uh, it's they commit a murder by finding a doppelganger for somebody and having the doppelganger go up to a bell tower and then they throw the the, the dead wife off the bell tower to make it look like she jumped by so, taking the, taking advantage of somebody's handicap to create yeah. the ultimate uh uh ridiculous alibi essentially a ridiculous story for this murder so i mean i i i'm sure he's probably trolling me but you know brian holding oldman was tweeting at me on on the twitter basically like oh you so you think she's dead and it's like mm, you know i don't know if you're just messing or i mean you know we know how big a hitchcock fans they are there and vertigo is like a classic you know how to seemingly show, show someone dying when it's actually someone else like could charlotte have a doppelganger mm. i don't know um could it be something where we never saw the body because it wasn't her and there was like a switcheroo later where it was like the real Charlotte was in the casket, but still alive and faking. I, who knows, you know? Well, I, I wonder if like in her Twitter app, Marlene has a thing where every six months she just randomly tweets at somebody. Yeah, there's a twin. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Go crazy. I mean, I, this isn't super spoilery, but the title of 619 is Did You Miss Me? Mm-hmm. Could that be Charlotte saying, did you miss me? Well, I don't know. The, the titles the titles of this season that I'm aware of are, are fascinating. Uh, there's one, two episodes are now called, or maybe the next one is called Charlotte's Web. That's the next one, yeah. And then the last one, Hush, Hush, Sweet Liars, has to be a reference to the classic old film, Hush, Hush, Sweet Charlotte. <laughs> I mean, you know, you, it is a show. On one hand, you know, Charlotte has been a character that, that has hurt a lot of people. You know, in her in certain depictions of her, but the show kind of gets its power from the idea of here's the dead girl that propels certain storylines. It's kind of what makes a show like iZombie so smart because what if the dead girl could also be the detective? Um, and that's what makes the Allison wrinkle always interesting on this show, as Heather so eloquently put it. Like Allison is the girl who is so strong that she willed herself back mm-hmm. to life, essentially through the narrative. Um, so well, it's. It, 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 it hurts with Charlotte, but it's like there was going to be somebody, some kind of some form of the pattern was going to repeat. You know what I mean? Well, I just wonder is, is it almost like a thing of brinksmanship? Like how dead can we make you think someone is and then bring them back? You know, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, because with Allison and Mona. Yeah. It, I mean, there's obvious mirrors to Vertigo here. I and mean, that's, that's not an unintentional reference there to the way she died and how she was found and whatnot. Um, hmm. I don't know. I, I I think, other than the four liars themselves, though, you have a juicy thing here where literally anybody is a suspect, I think. See, even Allison. Even well, Allison. I guess the question is whether or not you think that person watching the car was, you know, the murderer. Right. Um, well, if, if you, if you go that with that, car? then you can kind of rule a few people out. But if you don't, then, yeah, anyone's a suspect. And like you said, that could just be car, Lucas. How different is the car from the one that Allison and... And Rollins got into. Well, everybody's driving like black town cars, or you know, yeah. who knows? Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, anyone's on the table. I mean, I I like Doctor Rollins. Mm-hmm. You know, I, the way I approached the pilot, you know, when I first watched it, think it was you know who's a who's the character who doesn't really seem to belong, mm-hmm. who's just kind of there. Doctor Rollins to me it seems like the closest match to that of what well, we have here. Because he's, what the, is he's his that now? yeah he's that one extra character who's just around. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. And I mean he would have to generate a romance to stay in mm-hmm. in the plot line, wouldn't he? Yeah, I mean, for it to make sense for him to still be around is, you know, that's the romance kind of gives you the the lampshade for that. Mm-hmm. Um, well, because too you know, obvious, people, I don't know. People, some people want that personal betrayal. It's not just that so-and-so is revealed to be the killer. It's that also our main character loved him. Mm-hmm. Um. <laughs> oh, so for somebody who's much more internet inclined than I am, can I get a GIF that's not just Sarah at the car staring back at the liars? Can you then give me the sunglasses floating down onto her <laughs> head that say deal with it? That to me would be the fucking holy grail yeah. item. Indeed. All right. So that was of late, I think, of Rosewood. Um... If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can reach us at broswatchpll2 on the Twitter. Our website page is broswatchpll2.com. We've had a fair amount of reviews since last time we podcasted, so I just want to give some thanks and shout-outs to uh, Natural B, I2 Youthane, Alyssa Dancer 5, Allie Marie 1, Lazard, and Puzzstar. Those are all from the U.S. Mm-hmm. Canada, we had Ericster 11, Cindy. Jana from Canada and Emily 1023 and then some uh, emojis of uh, the like red dancing girl. Uh, France, we had Sophia at t- at a TV show a day. Uh. In the UK, we had Holly R. Henderson and Vanilla Boop. Australia, Kemba Hearts You and ECG 537. And in Mexico, Sparia's Baby. Thank you to all you guys. If uh, <laughs> We really appreciate getting those reviews on iTunes. We have so many. It's, it's insane. Um, but yeah, if, if you want to uh, give us a review, it's always appreciated. You can do that on iTunes or uh, on our website page. You can kind of leave a longer comment if you want to discuss the episode. That's always fun to kind of get into discussions there. A little longer form than Twitter. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you got anything for us, Marco? Uh, I just wanted to thank uh, Sarah, the opportunity once again for uh, talking about Aria and Boston and Braintree. I also want to thank uh, Glenn, Molly, Kathy, and Michelle and others for recent emails because uh, what I love is that a lot of them are very much about Sarah Harvey. <laughs> you get us. Um, also, Casey emailed a question recently. It's a headcanon PLL question. Uh, I thought I'd throw it out to you real quick. Uh, if Hunger Games came down to, at the very end, the only people surviving were Spencer, Mona, and Allison as the final three, who wins? And I thought I'd pose that to you. Hmm. I mean, uh, like, which Allison? <laughs> like, oh. Current Allison? Sorry. <laughs> um, hmm. I think Spencer would win. I mean, Mona lives in a journalized hyper-reality, but I think her... Her Achilles heel is that she she wants to be friends, and so maybe maybe there'd be a hesitation there. Spencer would not have that same hesitation about Mona. I personally would not assign the roles themselves, but I think it would be some variation on the conclusion: the good, bad, and the ugly. Hmm. Okay. I think at they both the shoot moment, Allison. Yeah, I was gonna say, I was gonna say I'm kind of lean towards Allison, but at some point when it's the moment, two of them will shoot the other kind of independently. Mm-hmm. 
And then Spencer or Mono be like, you know what you are, Spencer? <laughs> yeah. That's a little spaghetti western humor for you on this PLL podcast. All right. Well, two and a half hours, not too shabby. <laughs> um, we'll be back next week, obviously, to talk about Charlotte's Web. Until then, have a good one. Yeah. Have fun. Bye bye. <laughs>